You're listening to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Football Forum's podcast. I'm John and we have a um, throwback special tonight as we look back at um, the delayed Euro 2020, which was of course played in 2021. And um, alongside us tonight, we have um, one of our regular panel, or new regular panel, should we say. Josh, how are you doing? Finally, I get to speak to you. You get to speak to the better, John, at last. I know, I know, John. It's been it's uh, it's been a long time coming, actually. I think, uh, and I'm glad I finally made the upgrade uh, to to the next level of John. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll save that banter for later on. Um, and um, we're also joined by fellow Scott, um, guy who became my best friend in the summer because he got my ticket to check the public game. Doesn't matter about the score. Uh, Neil, th- Neil Darty, thanks for coming back on. How are you? Hi, John. Hi, Josh. Pleasure to be here. I'm fine, thanks. And we have um, welcomed some friends um, who were on before the Euros um, from down south. Um, So first of all, from England, Um, we'll save the booze for later. (laughs) Russell Osborne of Three Lions Podcast. Russell, welcome back. Hello there. Uh, Thank you for, uh, thanks for for letting me come back on. Obviously, I I made a, a slight impression for you to remember me. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. Um, had you not won, had you won the final, you might not have got the invite. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're also joined um, from the Welsh corner, just to confuse matters. Um, when we thought two joins was bad enough, and on a weekly occurrence, we've got two Russells. Russell from Podcast Bill George. Welcome back, Russell. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you for having me back. No, I'm glad to have you both back. All, um, all you <laughs> can, back I, can I just check? Had Wales won, you wouldn't have invited me back either. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that <laughs> playoff. <laughs> That's a definite no go. <laughs> but fortunately, we're talking about Euros right now. Um, so yeah, it was a crazy. It was a um, an amazing, uh, a, a crazy summer. I'm trying to find the right words here because, you know, first of all, from a Scottish point of view, we were back in a major tournament for the first time in 23 years. I mean, f- five years ago, you two and um, your Northern Ireland friends were joking about us putting out the wheelie bins for you while she were out in your holidays in France. So it was glad to be at the party with you, wasn't it, Neil? Yeah, absolutely, John. And as you alluded to there, I was lucky enough to get tickets for Hamden in the UEFA ballot, really early doors. So I had tickets before we knew that they were Scotland tickets and also touching upon what you also spoke about the Euro 16 I was actually at Euro I was at seven matches at Euro 16 with my dad as a football tourist totally jealous and envious of my uh, everybody else you know we, we, we were, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience but you know it was a second or so so for Scotland not to be there and so when, when it came around this time and, and we were there I just you know, I just went for it. I just immersed myself in the tournament. You know, it was, a, as you said there, it was a wonderful summer, you know, and enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I mean, there was all obviously doubts as to whether or not there was going to be fans there. I mean, we, we've all spoken in different parts, you know, wondering if um, how many fans were going to get there, whether some of us were going to be lucky enough to get tickets, um, because you just didn't know what the picture was going to be like. And, uh, no, fortunately, they, they got to 25%, which was better than nothing. And it increased as the tournament went on, as um, Russell Lowell um, know that tells about, because he was fortunate to be, have that experience. But um, 
Josh, from your point of view, in terms of because um, we you um, well, you're late to the party in terms of the podcast, but um, in terms of um, the build up, what was your highlights um, from the build up point of view? I had one, John. Um, you know, um, and it's diff- It would be different for us, um, and, and I'm sure I'm sure the two Russells will be able to describe their experiences, but. You know, for us, not not being there for 23 years, I mean, I'm 28, I've never known Scotland at a major tournament. Um, so that this has really been some, this had really been something that I'd been waiting for my whole life, you know, my whole, you know, life that I can remember as an adult. Um, and it, it did, you know, it really, really just felt like something special. Um, I've never known, I've never known the, the whole country to be behind the football team. You know, I mean, how many years have we been going to games and it's been 10, 20,000 fans on a, a Tuesday night? Um, you know, always always remember that that night in Hamden where Gareth Bale picked two, uh, two into us in a blizzard of a night. Uh, and it was one of the worst nights ever fall in Scotland. Um, but, you know, it really it really felt all worth it um, when we qualified for the Euros and the whole build-up, because the second we qualified for the Euros, that's when the build-up started. We started seeing you know, podcast shows. And I, I know that um, your good mate, uh, Andy Barge at the Hamden Roar, John, started the whole kind of on-the-plane podcast where everybody was talking about who's going to be there, you know, what players are going to get in the squad, um, who's who's going to get cut, who's going to make it, who's on form, who's going to get injured. Um, yeah, it was just, just fantastic. I mean, even things like driving along the streets, seeing people out with Scotland bunting all over their, their houses and flags draped out. I mean, you don't see that, really. Ever. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just a really, really special, special summer for me personally. Um, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, um, but uh, Welsh Russell will call you. Um, you went through this experience uh, five years ago, first time in, well, in your case, it was 48 years um, for Wales um, for being at a major tournament. So the build up this time must have been a bit milder from that point of view and also the fact that you had the furthest to travel having to go to two countries that basically we weren't really allowed in well um in terms of uh azerbaijan and italy it was 58 years actually john um, <laughs> yeah um I, and just i'm just going to give you a comparison if it if it, if it helps josh is saying uh, i think he said 28 um you know i was in my 40s before wales Ever only just but before Wales had ever got to a, a tournament, so um, you know by which point sort of family responsibilities and everything else have come along, which which kind of eats into the the amount of uh, sort of effort I guess you can you can kind of put into into all the travel. But I'm I'm, I'm slightly envious listening to him then because that that's how it that is very much how it was for us back in. 2015, 2016, and you know it was amazing, and and so this time round was never going to it was never going to get better than that really because I don't think you know we don't go into you know into tournaments expecting to to go particularly deep into them. That's kind of why 2016 was so what, what, what part of the reason why it was so special. Um, but you know I, I think by the same token you you know let's not take it for granted. Um, you know it is still a rare occurrence that we that we get to a tournament. Um, and I thought, I suppose for us, it was just a question of, well, you know, let's make an impression. Let's not, let's not make 2016 be this complete flash in the pan. Um, and, you know, don't score in the groups, don't get any points, go home, whatever. 
at least try to emulate it as as much as we possibly can. But it was always going to be really hard, really hard. Yeah, definitely it was. And we'll obviously come on to um, good again shortly. But um, you know, you're talking about first experience um, as a Welsh fan ever. We're talking about the first time for 23 years, uh, Mister Osborne. Um, You've been through this um, all, all, every second year, pretty much all, all your life, bar what Euro t- um, 2008 being the exception in your case, probably. Um, but how did this one compare in terms of build-up, knowing that essentially it almost turned out like a home tournament, given that um, your home, all your home games were at Wembley in the group stage, and then fortuitously, because Dublin was taking out the equation, Wembley then got the last 16? Well, yeah, I mean, this, this was the thing, just to sort of throw back a little bit Previous to that, um, I mean, I'd, I'd been to Ukraine in 2012 and I went to France in 2016. And that was both of those was the the anticipation of, of traveling overseas and, and going to a tournament in a, in a foreign country. And then when Euro 2020 gets announced that it's going to be for England, a predominantly home based tournament, not since 96, um, of which... I have memories of, and I went to to a game there, um, but perhaps I didn't appreciate it as much then as as what the build up to a tournament on basically on home soil would be. So there was always that sort of wow, it's it's going to be on it's going to be on a doorstep. I'm going to be able to go to a home tournament and properly experience it. Um, so yeah, that was that was the build up for me, and and when they, as you say, changed the. The structure and around of it of, of Dublin and and he looked at the pathway and he knew all the group games were going to be at home and you, you're thinking there's actually a, a distinct possibility if if this all falls our way then it's it's a distinct possibility that that we could do well in it so that was sort of the the build up prior to the to the tournament I think from my perspective yeah it definitely was and obviously I listened to a couple of your podcasts before you're talking to. Um, fans of rival um, teams, including myself, obviously, which yeah. I'm thankful for. Um, so, I mean, that must have really added to build up a few. And, um, and of course, getting ourselves, that must have been um, exciting as well, even if we're not quite the rivals that you want us to be, like Germany and Argentina, maybe. Uh. Well, no, I think, obviously, England Scotland will always have that level of it, as will any home nations match. Um, and I think out of the group games, obviously we had um, Czech Republic and Croatia and and yourselves. If I mean, as soon as they were drawn out, the one everyone was was looking forward to was the Scotland one. Um, it was it was probably the biggest, not the biggest disappointment of the tournament, but it was probably the second biggest disappointment of the tournament was the performance of that game. I mean, it was an anticlimax, really. Yeah, that was our highlight of the tournament. Well, one of two, the other one scored yeah. a goal in the third game. Um, but yeah, Neil, we were obviously um, lucky enough to be at the um, the Czech game, but um, you know there was all that build up before it, and then we got the news that Kintana couldn't play, and then the game didn't quite go according to plan, and unfortunately, we're victims of probably. We'll also come on to that later. Um, one of the goals of the tournament from Patrick Schick. Um But it was. Do you think when we look back? the hype was maybe too much um, for the players that day, or do you just think it was a case of we just didn't turn up? Well, I say uh, that, we had 19 shots from goal, but it just wasn't clinical. Yeah, well, I, I know, obviously we were, we were there, John, fortunate enough to be there, and 
Scotland, on reflection, didn't play badly against the Czech Republic. We came out, I remember coming out of Hamden with you and my dad and we, we were analysing, trying to analyse through a lot of emotion of having obviously been beaten to nothing. Like, what, what has just happened here? You know, and there was a lot, we were, we were, we were analysing the formation, we were analysing the midfield. But on reflection, you know, like, there's a few crucial moments, I think, for me in that, that match. We started well. Um, you know, the loss of Tierney, you know, was, was huge because in the build-up, you know, it was all about Tierney breaking out from the back, from centre-back, um, was was giving us so much more than we had without than we had without him, you know, breaking from left centre-back, accommodating um, Robbo, uh, Andy Robertson, obviously, and, and, and Tierney in the same team. Robertson, as I don't think anybody would debate our best player and really turned up against the Czech and in the opening passages of play he was bombing down that left hand side he was giving them all sorts of problems it was really encouraging and I think a lot of us had anticipated that he might go with either McGregor or Gilmer in the midfield to give us a wee bit more control in the middle of the pitch and, he, and Steve Clark didn't go with either of them he went with Stuart Armstrong went with Ryan Christie up front, which was a surprise we'd expected Shea Adams um, to partner Lyndon Dykes. Uh, but it was really encouraging and I think we kind of maybe lose sight of just how like, encouraging it was in the, in the first half hour. Robert, uh, the one that all, the chance that always comes back to me the most is Robertson's. And I don't think it's really that great a chance in terms of maybe the XG, whatever, but the, the the chance with the the one that he takes left footed I can't remember who, the, who put the ball across was it maybe Christie he's only he's only he's, he's only kind of main main moment of the game or the, uh, before he get hooked at half time and, uh, apart from Stephen O'Donnell charging into him when he looked as if he might um, do something in the Czech Republic box but anyway that 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 um, uh, chance I think we were we were at the other end of Hamden and just I thought this is the moment you know this is the moment. It, that Robertson's going to score this terrific left-footed strike, and we're we're going to have lift off, and he, he didn't. He? Like it was, I mean, he, he got it in target, and the keeper touched it over the bar, and then after that, we continued to press. We were really weak down the right, and and O'Donnell completely redeemed himself on on the at right wing back and at Wembley against England, but in the in the first half against the Czechs. Really, I mean, down the left we were really strong. Down the right, we we, we really didn't look good at all, and and it was quite a good battle on the on the left. So far, the West Ham right back and Robertson it was a bit of a ding dong battle. He he was their best player on the day as well, but I think it was the goals change game, the old cliche, and and it was when they scored. I think it was it was the Czech Republic didn't play particularly well. The statistics back that up. That we we part we had. More possession, we pass more pass accuracy. We we had we had higher xG. We, we, really, the stats suggested Scotland should have won the game. But Patrick Schick up front for the Czechs, he he was the difference on the day. You mentioned the word clinical there, and all the pundits, all the people who were on the telly after the game. I've rewatched it. Obviously, used that word clinical. We weren't clinical enough. And Patrick Schick was. Um, the, the first goal was a he a header from a. A second phase after a corner, we we could have probably closed the the ball down better, 
and um, he scored a terrific header and Marshall had no chance, completely flat and hammed and in at half time, what just happened, you know, 42 minutes, we're one nothing down, we, it's not what we anticipated, it's probably not what we deserved and we were, we were totally flattened and then second half, we come out and we, we suffer the goal of the tournament, you know, uh, Henry hit the bar, young Henry hit the bar, he, he hadn't been great in the first half he was part of that problem on the right hand side of the pitch he'd been pretty much anonymous um, him and O'Donnell had looked very nervous and um, tried a shot hit the bar three minutes later tried the shot again cannoned off Suchek and and then we know what happened next we were right behind it John it's the best goal I've ever seen in my life it was just terrific I mean it on reflection, I feel it feels as if it was a privilege to be there to see that goal. Um, where it came from, probably only Patrick Schick knows. It was just unbelievable. He went on to have a stormer of a tournament, and we were just shell shocked, weren't we? Because it, even after that, we created chances. Uh, Lyndon Dykes should have scored at least one, but we rallied and we rallied and we rallied. I thought Robertson was probably the man of the match, but he was never going to get it when Schick did what he did. He, these two moments of absolute, and the second goal in particular, I mean, what can you say? I think there was, um, I think there was, Neil, I've just, you know, I, I, you, you said that later on, um, and, and John, you mentioned as well that there had been, um, I suppose, some interesting tactical decisions from Steve Clark before the game not to put McGregor in. Um I think we really we really suffered from we really suffered from from the, the fact of, of thinking this is the first you know the, the Czech so we all knew that the Czech Republic game was a huge game we had to, we had to get one out of that we had because we knew that Croatia was going to be difficult um, and the England game would take care of itself um, but we, we knew that we had to get something out of that and I just feel that Steve Clark maybe maybe played it a wee bit too safe um, I mean as we're seeing now the Scotland team that were playing a wee bit more attacking. You know, he could have played Patterson and went for the jugular with them. I, I don't think Stephen Odor was terrible, but, you know, he's not that Robertson-type player that's that's going to bomb down the wing and, and create chances. He's, he's just not. Um, but, you know, after after that result, um, it, you know, it really actually raised the levels of anticipation for the England game to, to nuclear levels. Uh, because we knew that we had to get something out of it. We had to get something out of it. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to all three of our group games um, in the tournament. And I've got to say, yeah, so for, for a start, right, the format of the tournament was disappointing, right? because I've always had this perception of what a tournament would be like to go to with Scotland. And here, we finally qualified for one. We're getting two games at Hamden and one at Wembley. <laughs> so, you know, um, Not that Wembley's no great to go to. It's, it's always a great trip, but... Um, going away to Wembley for that game was um, was some buzz, and and you know I, I think um, Russell talked you know earlier about how that that game is always going to be a huge game as with any any home nations game, but I think mm-hmm. it has a special place in football lore as the oldest international fixture in the world, um, and while it's maybe not weighted in the same as it maybe was 130 years ago. Um, or even 40, 50 years ago, um, it's still, you know, I I love the fact that we go into that game as the underdog, and we always do, 
I, and I think we always raise our game playing against England, most of the time anyway, actually. Um, and, and we certainly did uh, at Wembley, which was just absolutely, yeah, it was a great, that, that was a, a great, and, and Steve Clark made those changes. He made the changes when we went, he put Gilmore in and he was incredible. Um, and he, he trust, but he trusted Stephen O'Donnell, you know, and, and, and those, were the, those were the fine margins of decisions that Steve Clark, I feel Steve Clark made better in the latter two games of our group stage that, that he did with, with the Czech Republic game. We needed to get a win out of that. And I don't think he picked the team that, that was good enough and it was right to get us that win. Because, you know, I don't think the Czechs, apart from Patrick Schick, he had a great tournament. I don't think the Czechs were up too much. Um, I, I really, you know, from seeing how they done through that, I know they went quite far, but um, I don't think they were up to a whole lot. So I think that was, yeah, that was points dropped for us um, and a disappointment. But it's happened so many times for us in, in, in history and at national tournaments. It's just so written in the stars that it was going to happen again. Yeah, exactly. We're almost um, we put ourselves up, um, up up against it in day one, but um, before Russell Todd drops off, um, <laughs> listen, they talk, us talking about Scotland and stuff. They'd played a game um, before we'd even um, I, um, got involved, and um, is it harsh to say that it was a fortuitous point when you played Switzerland that one-one draw? Because from what I saw of the game, Switzerland were doing a lot of the pressing, and Danny Ward was in incredible form that day. Yeah, I think we probably got away with it. Um, they'd have been disappointed. Um, once we'd got the draw, or once we'd got back into the game, once Kiefer Moore had scored, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure necessarily we were, we were at, there was any risk of us losing, uh, is my memory. Um, but yeah, Breel and Bolo had, had bullied us, bullied our backline, and I hadn't seen anyone bully us like that for a long, long time. Um, and that was a concern then at the first game, well, first thirty minutes really, he was doing it. In, in tournament football, you're thinking, well, everyone else is going to be watching this. And, uh, and that, so that was a worry. Um, but, um, yeah, but Kiefer Moore, you know, who's, who's been incredible for us. And I, you know, I had to hold my hands up on our last episode because he made his debut so sort of September 2019. So, you know, by the time of the Euros, he hadn't even had two years of international football under his belt. And I'd sort of said, look, he, he's, he's clearly quite ungainly. He's not the most, you know, uh, kind of you know, naturally looking footballer. I mean, he's a he's a he's a specimen. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, he looked quite raw in international terms. He's not young. Eh? He's twenty seven when he made his debut, and I remember thinking, no, he's not going. I put it on 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 sort of on one of our earlier episodes. I sort of said, oh, I'd be amazed if he gets anywhere near double figures in terms of goals. Um, and he's on eight now, so I, I've kind of looked like I'm going to have to uh, to sort of eat my eat my words a bit. But I think you know he. He came on. It's a terrific header, and we just sort of started playing a little bit more, a little bit more direct, you know. And um, and and, and we got past him. Uh, don't forget, mine. Uh, Sommer had a great game as well, mine. So he made a couple of good saves from our early doors. So, um, you know, if 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 we'd have scored, they're coming out. It's a bit more that tends to suit us. But um, but yeah, Mbolo bullied us, and that that was a real worry, a real worry. The ward was incredible, and um, he had a really good tournament. Actually, really good tournament. Um, Someone who you know barely gets a game uh, at club level, which which is our biggest which is our biggest problem. I mean, you know, just going back the other week, I think eight eight of our starting eleven, um, you know, against Belgium, don't play regularly week in week out for their clubs, which is it, it, it's almost amazing how well Rob Page has been and his team have been able to get the players into a position where they can compete. 
let alone get results and things because of the lack of of, 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 of action. And, and, and it's not just the lack of games, then it's the fluency and it's that kind of real tip-top match fitness. Um, you know, that was a problem going into the tournament as well. And, you know, that's never going to, I say never, but um, I can't see that that not being a concern for us, even when it comes down to the playoffs next next spring. Yeah, well, they seem to somehow turn it on eh, for Wales, um, you know, when it, when it comes to it. So um, they, they obviously... But, but, yeah. but it was just listening to what um, Neil and Josh were saying around, you know, lacking that, that, that clinicalness. Um, we've got that, though, you see, because we've got the class of Ramsey and Bale and... You know, we'll come to Ramsey in a bit in the in the Turkey game. We've got a, we've got you know, we have you know Harry Wilson's a talented player. You know, there's other players there, but there's that real quality that they've got, and it gives them that clinicalness, and and they can get you. You know, they can rescue you. They can they can they can save you a little bit if if not everyone else is is not quite there. Um, you don't have to rely on like you know the law of averages that eventually one will go in. I think you said was it 19 shots or something against the checks. I think you said yeah. You know, when you go Bale or Ramsey, you only need maybe three or four, and that that helps. That helps. Yeah, and if you can keep them out the other end as well, and we've been quite tight for a long, long time now, going back to to Coleman Coleman's ring. Russell, I've I've, I've felt that for a long time that that uh, Wales, both Wales and Scotland are, are similar, similar. You know, have been similar footing for for a while, uh, but I think the crucial difference that between us is that is that or has been in the past in years gone by has been that Wales have had, you know, you mentioned that the, the clinicalness of those two, you know, absolutely world-class players of, of Bale and um, Ramsey. Um, and I just, you know, where do you see, where do you see the next? You know, I mean, they're not getting any younger. I know they're not. I mean, they're only kind of early 30s, aren't they? Yeah, but probably, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. You know, where, where do you see Wales going after them? You don't replace players like that easily you know you're talking sort of once in a generation type players bail you know once in several generations i guess um but they, what we've what we've got is a pathway because what, what well i mean i we were saying this again on a recent episode rob page comes to name a squad of how many in a squad these days 23 24 for a window actually i'd be amazed i'd be absolutely stunned if if we could find over a hundred professional male players who aren't, you know, 37 as well, for that matter, I'd, I'd be amazed. So there is such a small pool of, of professional players to call on that it, it, to a certain extent, it, to a certain extent, it makes the job a little bit easier. I'm sure you'd like more players, but I mean, look at the embarrassment of riches that, that Gareth Southgate has got, for instance, and, you know, clearly it's just not on the same page, you know, not on the same chapter. But what so what we have to do is create a system, and this has been in place for a while. A guy, he's, he's assisting... Um, Patrick Vieira now at Palace. Oshan Roberts was the technical director of the FAW. And, you know, he's he's about as highly regarded as you'll find anywhere in the continent, maybe even the world, in terms of kind of coach education and the kind of the technical side of it, right? Wasn't a great player himself, played a little bit of college football in in, in the North in North America. No great shakes as a player. Um, didn't really do much as a manager, but as a coach, and that kind of that more sort of structural technical side of it, absolutely brilliant. And what we've got now is a system in place that basically pushes talent through and it pushes it through quickly, but not sort of recklessly quickly. Um, and, and, and that means that we're making the most of what limited talent we've got. That's crucial. Now, if you can unearth some players in there 
and you've got the talent, great, and 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 hopefully they'll be ushered through. But there's no there's no there's no doubt that you know Rams and Abel just aren't replaced. But there are some talented youngsters coming through. Key for us is we don't have a professional structure, a professional uh, domestic system. So we export all our talent, and we're reliable. We're, we're reliant on, you know, the system over the border to then manage that talent, if you like, and to give it first team exposure and to give it games and and and, and all the rest of that. And that's again is is something that again you don't, you don't change overnight. I mean, that's just how it is. So we've got to have the right appointments at the right places all the way through. It's not just looking at the top top team, the, the first team squad. It's kind of looking at who's down below, you know, all of that, who's coming through, and and it's it's, it's integrated, and and that's that's absolutely key for us. That's been as key as you know, uh, you know, Coleman being a good manager in 2016, you know, keeping Bale and Ramsey fit and things like that is having that structure. So when Dan James comes through, he can come straight into that first team squad, knowing there's been that continuity. He'll have been exposed to that first team squad at a young age. I went to watch the 2016 squad training. Before before the tournament, and Ethan Ampadu was was there with them, and he must have been only barely sixteen by that point. Um, Tyler Roberts was training with them. Um, a guy Wes Burns, I think, it was up at Aberdeen. He was there with them. hasn't quite made it through. Uh, a couple of others um, that, that, whose names I forget, and um, that that's important. Yeah. So when Ampadu then suddenly steps up to get to play, and he's a class player, mind, but. You know, when they, they make that step, it's not kind of awe and wonder. It's it's just another it's another Wales camp of 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 many that they've been involved in. Um, but I you know I don't think they're going anywhere soon. Fitness will be an issue, but um, you know, Bale's got the rest of his uh, rest of his life to play golf. So you know, he, he'll he'll stick he'll stick around for a bit. And and don't forget as well, he he loves playing for Wales. I mean, he he absolutely loves it. And you know he's not retiring from international football anytime soon. Um, and he think he said it himself. Fans love he'll, that. He'll finish. He'll finish. He'll, he'll stop playing for Wales when he stops playing football. He's not going to do what a lot of players do. What Ryan Giggs did, for example, is to stop in order to maximise you know whatever's left in his career. Again, you know Gary Speed did it. Um, you know lots of players did it. He will stop playing for Wales when he when he stops. Um, you know for for his clubs. Um, Although it was interesting, I don't know whether you might have noticed that because I know he's—I don't know if there's any Celtic allegiances here—but but Joe Deadly um, retired the other week, and um, but he, he's, his, his sort of statement said something along the lines of, um, "But he's still available for for international selection." Um, so um, yeah, you know they, they 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 love it, and and these players have come through. Like I said, that pathway system in such is is is, is so good in that they come through together as well. So Bale, Ramsey, Gunter, Hennessy, Ledley was part of that crop. Well, maybe a year or two ahead. They've been playing for Wales since, you know, 15, 16, 17. So, you know, that, that counts for a lot. Counts for a lot. I think that's the thing that our respective national teams have in common just now is that the the group that um, each team's group right now all seem to love playing for their country. You know, we talk about a lot from a Scotland point of view, the likes of John McGinn and Kieran Tierney, etc. You've also just mentioned it. But we mustn't forget, you know, England over the years have um, been accused of uh, egotistical, etc. You don't get that with this current group, Russell. Oh. <laughs> no, you're right. This is a totally different generation to the golden generation so-called golden generation and and 
it's it is in itself down to one man i think and that's gareth southgate i think it's the the mentality and that is instilled within those players and and the respect he commands from those players um that they are all happy and, and proud to to turn out for england as opposed to days gone by when you you'd often hear many players pulling out for a uh, a friendly um so yeah not, i can't think of the last player that maybe pulled out of a uh, of a friendly for for england um or for a a reason of i don't know that that he didn't want to um who want one way or another i've got i mean i've got to be, i've got to be honest russell um as as a Scotland fan, I've often derided um, England players over the past, you know, uh, many years. As um, That's same as we've done I, for you, as I'm sure. Yep, as I'm sure all, all, all healthy rivalries do. Yeah. Um, but I've got I've got to, I've got to say no. I wasn't I was I may make it clear for anybody that listens to this podcast. I was not supporting England at the tournament, um, but I have to say. This group of players that Southgate's gathered are so likeable um, and just seem really socially conscious young men um, who are from a variety of, of different backgrounds that, that kind of, I suppose, represent modern day England. Um, and and I, c- I can understand why, if, as a fan, it must be so, um, it must be so, you know, it must give you a, a great sense of pride to see guys that that you you can really relate to, um, you know, making such an achievement to get to the final. Um, although I do feel the stars align for you a wee bit in terms of uh, where the games were and, and and the teams you played. Can't um, deny that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they were, they were thoroughly, thoroughly impressive uh, throughout the tournament. But I mean, in terms of the group, in terms of the group stages. I've got to be honest, I, I, I didn't think England were up to much in the group stages. I mean, what was your impression after after uh, the opening couple of games? Well, it was it, it was hard work, really. Um, I mean, with any tournament, the I mean, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a cliche to say, but you've just got to get through those group games to get into the knockouts to to then show your worth. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back to that Croatia game, the opening game that we had. Um, nil nil at half time, and I seem to think, seem to remember thinking this this is hard work. What well, we're making hard work of this. I think the only the only highlight of that that first half was that I think probably I came away with sunburn, or, or it was an afternoon sitting in the sun, which ultimately was uh, resulted in a bit of sunburn. Um, I mean, we we got the goal second half, Raheem Sterling, um, which which was good for for him. Because I mean, prior to the tournament, he'd, he'd taken a lot of stick, as he had done for for France twenty sixteen. I seem to remember it might have been the World Cup. Um, he always seems to to take the brunt of of media stick. So for him to get the opening goal for England was good, and that was okay. We've we've come away with a with a hard fought one nil onto Scotland. Everyone's hopes were high, and it sort of brought us, brought us back down to earth with a, a bump in the fact that maybe we, I don't know, perhaps I maybe looked at it, maybe we're not as good as as we think we are. Um, I mean, we've, we've 
full credit to Scotland. You neutralised us um, and, and and put us in our place for the game. Um, came away with a point, and then it was on to the onto the Czech Republic, and it was, it was Sterling who got got the goal again. So I mean, coming through that group stage with just two one nil wins and a and a nil nil, um, like, there were a few people saying, "Oh, it's we're making." making hard work of this. Um, but we were through the group stage and, and into the knockouts. And, and that was the most important thing. And especially when we saw we had Germany on the horizon. Um, you know, I, I, and I'll promise not to touch on this too much, but Neil, the greatest nil-nil uh, you've ever been to? Yeah, I wasn't actually there. I, I was at uh, the, the Camden game. So I had tickets for, I went to the Czech Republic v Croatia. It's, and then then home to watch Scotland England. Um, yeah, as John was saying, there was so much pressure on us after losing the, the first game. Um, it was, and and we, I would say that we we, we feared England, didn't we? we England, uh, I would say, at the moment in international football, if you look at Euro sixteen, World Cup eighteen, and Euro twenty twenty, as like the whole a whole. There's not really been any outstanding international team, I don't think. And England are right up there for me. They're right up there in that very top bracket of they could, they should probably win one of these. Um, and and you know you could see. I mean, if you look at and contrast what the Croatia did to us at Hamden, and you contrast with what England did with Croatia at Wembley, you know, as, as Russell's just spoken about there. You know, we're able to match them possession-wise. Uh, we could, we could, we could discuss, and we're probably not, we're not at the, the third match day three yet. But we could discuss, you know, how Scotland really we've unearthed Billy Gilmer, who's who's not your typical Scottish midfielder who can retain the ball. It's something that we've lacked so much. But England, they're not. They 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 could match Croatia at Wembley possession-wise. It's just something that we were totally unable to do, and. So, so there was a lot of fear going into that game. If everybody's been honest with themselves, because we had the twenty-three years we had waited, we had lost the first game probably unluckily, um, somewhat. We we suffered the goal of the tournament. Whoever knew it was going to be the goal of the tournament, um, and we, we went down to Wembley, hopeful but fearing that this is that was going to be the end before it had even really started, and that. The third match at Hamden was going to be what I was looking for, and, and ultimately what we got was that we would still be in it at half time in the last game, and that, and that is what we got in the end. So, uh, so to me that was an achievement. But going down to Wembley, was it real Ferdinand predicted four 0 We 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 feared that, and we hoped that Steve Clark could. And we, but we, we uh, the the when the, for me personally. The news of the team filtered through. It's a sunny day in Hamden. I think it was pouring rain in in London, wasn't it? But it was it was really sunny in Glasgow. I was sitting in Hamden, watching Czech Republic Croatia, and then the, the the team news filtered through, and it was, you know, Gilmer's in, Shea Adams is in, and and I just looked at it and I thought, we've got a chance here. Maybe that's the right team. And I don't know if you identify with that, jo- John and Josh. You know that, that it just. It felt right, like, okay, well, he's picked the right team. And I know that Steve Clark is able to do that. And and, and we all know that now, you know, like I was, the reason I say that way a wee bit more 
is because I'm a commander, season ticket holder, and you know, and I saw what he did for us at Rugby Park, you know, what he took, he took what he took and what he made them into, like third place in Europa League. So and, and so for me losing Steve Clark in May twenty nineteen to Scotland, at least I had seen what he was capable of, you know, as a manager and I didn't underestimate that he might be able to just set us up right, drill us right. And and that's that's ultimately what 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 happened at Wembley, you know, we were that that five because we were a we were a five, but at the back. But England it was a good game. And we were I think it we were criticised like in Europe. I thought it was a really good game and it was all I think one of the iconic moments of the Euro really was that ninety third minute go mouth scramble, you know, where it was England were it was, was it Declan Rice and McTominay and, and everybody was piling in and like that hadn't reflected the game. The game was a good game of football, but I, I think it was the not that headline somewhere, you know, no no goals, please. We're British. Do you know, but uh, but it was it was I thought it was a brilliant moment, like it was like a throwback to like everything about what that fixture has represented since the origins of of association football, you know, and, and it was just I, I, if, if I was going to frame anything from the tournament, it would be that it would be that go mouth scramble Scotland England at Wembley, ninety second minute I think it was, and and fortunately the ball broke to McGinn and and we got it cleared, you know. Fortunately for us, England obviously would have been hoping for the for the victory, but for us we celebrated it because it was a good performance. We we'd overachieved. We it was. By a mile, the best passing performance. We created chances. We, we didn't camp in Scotland. Scotland are not a defensive team. Scot Scotland, we, we don't retain the ball particularly well. So we're, we're something of a counter-attacking team. We, we use Robertson on the left, obviously. We use Tierney. And we, but we're not a defensive team, as England probably found out that day. We created chances. O'Donnell's volley, uh, Shea Adams, you know, takes off the line by... Reese um, James, you know th these were these were ha half chances. England had better chances. I think Stones header and um, Mason Mount a minute later, the side footer passed the post when McTominay lost the ball. I, I thought it was a terrific match, and it got a bit slated as a nil nil draw. I thought it was a great nil nil draw, personally. John, uh, I've just got to, uh, uh, I've just got to interject there, Neil. Um, for me in that game, you know, you, you mentioned that if, if you could sum it up, you know, it would be that goal mouth scramble. For me, the, there was an image taken after the, uh, well, mid-game mid um, of Billy Gilmore coming off uh, and Steve Clark giving him a, a, a kind of bit, bit of an embrace. Um, now, now, we, um, in that game, we were uh, running the, I don't know what end it is, but we were running one of the kind of goal mouth ends. Uh, and me and my friend kind of blagged our way around uh, kind of the other side towards the dugouts. And we ended up hopping over the barrier into the kind of VIP bit. Um, once we once we kind of got away from this, you know, the steward was on his way down, and we hopped over. Um, but we jumped in, and uh, when we were in there, when Billy was coming off, you know, he's he's he'd a grin like a Cheshire cat. You know, it, he, he was just it was I cannot talk highly enough of that boy for his for his debut. And, and the one the one image um, that that really is will stick with me from from, from Euro twenty twenty is the image of him and Stevie Clark. Uh, I mean, I, I'm from Irvine, uh, Neil, and you know, two two boys Fairshire, um, you know, going out and going to Wembley and get, by all accounts give them a bit of a footballing lesson. Billy Billy Gilmore played that game smoking a cigar. It was incredible. He is he's a generational talent as far as I'm concerned. 
I'll just hop in there on on Billy Gilmore. I mean, one of the sort of incidents or moments from or bizarre moments from the whole tournament was was the whole Billy Gilmore Mason Mount Ben Chilwell event. I'm trying to I, I can't remember the whole facts of it all, but we we lost Mason Mount Ben Chilwell for the Cro the Czech Republic game because of the the COVID rules where they, I think they'd all shaken hands being what were the Chelsea um teammates or something they'd all shaken hands and all of a sudden we we lost two players for that game and, and didn't Billy Gilmore play it was well, look, Albert, Billy Gilmore didn't play that that was like it was cr- it crushed us we lost that was like because we retained the ball so well and it wasn't just about Gilmore I don't know if you'll agree with us Josh is in John it was more as well about Gilmore's partnership with McGregor because McGregor we all knew McGregor was a terrific midfield player, but for Scotland, we'd always been kind of waiting for him to 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 be that. And and his connection with Gilmer has been superb. Like the two of them, it's like telepathic. And that was like from game one. And game one was at Wembley. And it, straight away, you could see, here it is. Here's the midfield that we've got. Here's the midfield for the future. And then we lost Gilmer to COVID. And England lost. I know it was bizarre, wasn't it? Lost. Um, but you didn't lose... So it was Mount, if I remember right, Mount and Mount Chilwell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird how they were um this how they were deemed as the close contact, but yet none of the other twenty five players in the Scotland squad. It was bizarre. Um whilst then we were um getting a nil nil draw, Wales had pretty much put one foot in the next round already. Um <clears throat> As you can see, Russell on our screen as we speak, I'm relieved that we're bringing him back in here. <laughs> um, fabulous performance against Turkey because, you know, before the tournament started, I'm not going to lie, a lot of people, including myself, thought Turkey would do quite well in the competition because they'd had a couple of good results. But Wales absolutely battered them that day. It was 2-0, but that was um, um, quite um, generous to Turkey, to be perfect with us, because Wales were by far the better team that night. And um, you mentioned yeah. Bale and Ramsey. That's the perfect example of what two world class players can do, not they? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I got no skin in the in the in the in the England Scotland game. Um, Gilmore reminded me. I watched that game. I think Neil might be slightly misremembering the quality of it. I got to be honest, it wasn't that great a game, is my memory. But anyway, um, you know, no emotion in it. I don't suppose Gilmore reminded me of 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 Ramsey um, at Wembley in 2011. I don't know if. Uh, Russell Oak can, 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 can remember the game. Uh, Gary Speed yeah. manager. And Ramsey just ran the show. He was the best player in the park by, by quite some margin as well. Um, just that composure, that quality. And if I was, uh, you'll know better than me, you know, what your options are in your midfield unit and everything else. It was interesting you said that you make McGregor play or seems to make McGregor play better. You know, Ramsey, Joe Allen, Joe Ledley for us for a number of years was just so much greater than the sum of its parts. And they're not, they're not bad players, don't get me wrong. But, but you know, Ledley, uh, 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 Joe Allen in and out, the Liverpool team, then settles at Stoke after Euro 2016. Th- that unit, absolutely brilliant, together, uh, complement each other so well. And um, if I was if I was Steve Clark, I'd just build that team around Gilmore going forward. Manage, manage him because he's young and all the rest of it. But I, I, sumptuous performance on it. I just, it just got me thinking back to, to, to Rambo back in. Um, back under Gary Speed, but yeah, no Turkey. Um, Turkey was probably 
Turkey was our is, is probably our most complete performance for a long, long time. Probably going back possibly to that to that Belgian game in 2016. Um, but I think the difference is that you know we were on a bit of a hide into nothing in that tie. Nobody, and nobody, a lot of Welsh people didn't expect us to to lay a glove on Belgium really, even though we'd. We, we'd, um, we'd taken four points off from in qualifying for 2016, which a lot of people had sort of forgotten about. Um, but, you know, there was no, there was very little pressure on us. By getting to the quarters then, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, we've exceeded expectation, all that sort of thing. But the, we, 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 we sorry, the relevance of that, of that game five years ago is that we had a lot of pressure on us going into Turkey because you're thinking, you've got a little Italy next, they hadn't lost for, I don't know, was it 30 odd games and four years or whatever it was, you know, in Rome. Are we going to get much from that one? So suddenly we're going into this and we don't tend to do so well. You saw this, um, you know, in a game at home to Estonia the other week. We struggled at home against some of those teams. We're expected to, 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 to give them, dish out a bit of a drub in. That's when we struggle. So for us to go into this game, the other people had hyped Turkey a little bit. I think it was off the back of the, the 4-2 win against the Netherlands. Um, uh, it was the most complete performance, and um, and Ramsey was again just 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 first class. Um, and you're right, you know they they you know if we'd have, if we'd have won five or six, I don't think anyone would have begrudged us that. Um, and um, you know didn't pick up any injuries. I think it might have been one or two bookings, but it was just it was just perfect, absolutely perfect. And it was really good, I think, for Rob Page as well because. You know, we've had a massive kind of cloud over the over the squad and going into that tournament because of the situation with Ryan Giggs. You know, Page had only been really given the job for the Euros um, only about three or four months before. He was managing on a sort of like a month by month, window by window basis. Um, so there's not a huge amount he can affect and change to be his. You know, the truism, isn't it? In football, is you know you you know you want your own men in the you know uh, with you. You want your own appointments. You want to put your stamp on stuff. All that kind of stuff. And um, you know, he wasn't really able to do it. He was just a, a custodian of that job f- initially. Suddenly, he's like, okay, I can do, I can, you know, I can plan now for these Euros, but you, know, you can't rip it up because there isn't the time to, 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 you know, to, to put something new in place and test it. So he's, I think, you know, had a difficult job. I don't think he's had a huge amount of credit for it, frankly. There's, you often see hashtag page out after a slightly disappointing results, which I think is ridiculous. Um, massive indication of him because tactically it wasn't just like oh those two stars won the game for us tactically absolutely spot on absolutely spot on and that was a big a big um, a big tick I think for for us um, and um, and you got four points so that's it you're through job done tournament football I mean I think I mean, it was it was talking about tournament football we've we've got a little bit of that now under our belt after 2016. To have that. If Scotland can get to the World Cup, if well, if they get to the World Cup, we won't be there. So careful what I say. But you know, you know, whenever Scotland's next tournament is, and hopefully it's not too long, whenever it is, you know, that that experience of those three games will will benefit them in the way that 2016 benefited benefited us. And um, yeah, no, a terrific performance. Terrific yeah. performance. It definitely was, and um, but I mean, even the last game. You- because it still wasn't completely clear that you were going to get second place, so although it was likely you were going to be through as third place, but you managed that game in a way that, um, you know, I'm not going to say you were 
the, the, the intent was to keep the score down. But that's what ended up becoming because Italy were putting a good bit of pressure on. And, um, you know, your defence had to do well and Danny Watts had to have a good game. And it was one bit of quality that really beat you in the end. And that was no disgrace when you look at how well Italy obviously went to do. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that that summary. Um, Bale blazed a, a volley over. Um, you know, we, we, we had... We probably created as many clear-cut chances against them as pretty much any team in the tournament did, bar England in the in the final, perhaps. Um, and um, we weren't overly disappointed with that, but you know, not many teams are going to score, beat Italy in Rome. So you know, again, it comes back to it. I think it just bears the, the point out that I made. You know, about that Turkey game. That Turkey game was huge, absolutely huge. Because if we only draw that game. Two points needing probably to, to win in in Rome. That's that's a different, just a different scenario altogether. Where you know we're going to have to go looking for goals. No, no. You know we we you know if we don't beat Turkey, we're probably going home. Probably going home. Um, and um, yeah, you know, and and you know, possibly even going home. You know, off the back of a bit of a drubbing in Rome as well. To be honest, if 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 we hadn't have got that result against Turkey, that's why it was so so big. And it's not just like you know eking out a one nil win. They all you know it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win. To put in such a complete performance was 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 good. And you know, and then when it came, you know, jumping forward a little bit, you know, when we realised we're facing Denmark, um, I'm not sure. You know, I think we're probably better opponents we'd have picked for the for the for the round of sixteen. The Turkey result gave us some heart to think, well, actually, you know, that there is this performance in us. Um, we didn't have another one, obviously, but, um, you know, it gave us a little bit of, a little bit of heart. Um, but no, I, you know, there was nothing too much to say about the Italy game. They were worthy winners, but we, we caused them a couple of problems. Were they barely out of second gear? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, and in terms of, um, you know, our group, um, Russell, I'll come at you first of all. Um, so England were, were on the four points were pretty much guaranteed being through. It was more a case of making sure they got the home games um, in the next round, as we alluded to before. And that Czech Republic game became important for that. And <clears throat> I'll be honest, I've not even seen that game back because I was also watching our game. Um, but from what I heard, it's a pretty uneventful 1-0 job done through. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back to it. Chances are, I only, I haven't watched the game in full back. I don't think I've watched any of the games in full back. Having, having been there, I've probably just watched the highlights. But it was, yeah, it was just a case of we knew what we needed to do, um, and we, and we got it done with a, with another one nil win. It was like as I previously mentioned, Sterling got it, um, and sort of. Picked up his fortunes. He was he was riding high on confidence and and had become like the uh, the media darling again. Um, and yeah, we, we got the result: seven points on on the board, and we knew we were through. And unfortunately, Scotland couldn't join you in the next round. Um, I think it's fair to say. I mean, we were in the game at one one. There was a chance that John McGinn had in the second half. Where I think if he goes with his right. Um, because it was on that side, he maybe gets a touch on it. But at the end of the day, it was quality beaters and a world-class player looking Modric. You just can't leave him free at the edge of the box unmarked because that's the sort of thing he can do. And then Perisic, another top player, with terrific header for the, set, the third goal. Um, the thing is, I mean, a lot of people try to write off Croatia saying they're not the side they were in 2018. Still a side that reached that World Cup final and still a 
more well, capable side. Yeah, I mean that again. Going into the tournament, everyone, well, certainly a, a lot of people down here, probably myself included, would would was saying, well, Croatia having been put out by them in 2018, two years on, oh well, they're, they're, they've aged two years, and all of a sudden they were aging three years because the tournament was was put on hold for a year. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of people saying, yeah, they're, they're not the team they were. Um, but as you say, the, the likes of Perisic and, and Modric, and I mean, Modric obviously still to this day is, is still a great player turning, turning out for, for Real Madrid and first choice. Players like, as you say, Ramsey and, and Bale, these, these players come along once in a generation for a, for a side like or the size of Croatia. Um, yeah, that, they're a good team. It was a it was a winner takes all scenario, wasn't it? Um, for Scotland between Scotland and Croatia, um, whoever won was definitely was guaranteed to go through. And I think, as I've alluded to already, I think we would have probably taken that at, at, before the group stage commenced. You know, and, and especially at half time to begin in one one one. You know, because I think we got out of jail a wee bit. Um, they scored after seventeen minutes, and Scotland had been poor. Um, Croatia had completely outplayed us and we looked all over the place in the midfield I felt as opposed to like against England when we looked, just looked like such a cohesive unit we had Armstrong in for Gilmore and it just you could see straight away you know that, that you know we were in trouble and the goal was really cheap that first goal and, and Perisic I don't know how he jumps so high he's not particularly tall but he jumps out jumps O'Donnell at the back post from a kind of an, an innocuous cross from their right back but it's it's more about how that goal develops for me it was like the patterns of play they were just they were just moving the ball side to side using the whole Hamden's a big pitch they were using the pitch and we were struggling and I think we we had Armstrong trying to trying to pressed um, on the left or our left wing, they were just playing through us, you know, McGinn was nowhere um, and I, they, they, they were all over us, particularly down their left, so Perisic and Gvardiol, who had just signed for Leipzig, I don't, think, I don't think he'd played for Leipzig yet, he has now so he was bombing down their left, to me it looked as if they were looking to exploit the, the right hand side of our of the right hand side of the pitch, that's what it looked like to me, a clear tactic and, and they were getting loads of joy. Um, O'Donnell had been good against England, but the, 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 it was Gavardio and Perisic just ripped us down their left, and we had really had no answer to it. We had no control in the middle of the pitch. We, we looked in more trouble when they scored. It looked it was definitely the what the most we looked in trouble at any point in Euro twenty twenty. It looked as if they could score again if they wanted. We, and, and totally conversely to the rest of the pattern of the whole Euro 2020, we then scored against the run of play. And I think it was maybe what um, one of the Russells was, was saying about a kind of law of averages for Scotland. Like we had, it was just a kind of typical attack. We had launched so many of these attacks by this point in the tournament just before half time. The law of averages said that well, one of these times we were going to score and we got, we got that goal. Um, against the run of play, which hadn't been typical of how the tournament had gone for us, and then we were in at half time and we were still in it, which we would have, I would have taken anyway before the ball was kicked. 
to be to to come through to qualify through the Nations League and still just to, to still be in it with forty five minutes to go, having definitely not embarrassed ourselves to being competitive in every match. I was I was happy with that. I was disappointed in the end. I was disappointed with how the second half went against Croatia. But Modric ran the game. I mean, he he, he was it was one in his hundredth cap. It was a masterclass. He was. I think he had three times more touches than any other than any Scotland player. So it's crazy stats on Modric. Um, something like or twice as many touches and three times more passes than any Scotland player. Just absolutely ran the show and scored probably the second best goal of the tournament. Well, maybe that one with the outside of his boot um, was right, but it was they deserved it. You know that the possession wise, they they deserved it. We it was there's nothing to be ashamed about, but that was I think probably the, the Croatia of World Cup 2018 that, that turned up that night, unfortunately, and we got completely outplayed and outclassed and that, that was the end of it it was a bit crushing in the end um, we'd, we'd hoped for more and I think probably the disappointing thing about it was that would anybody have been really surprised if that Scotland team had sneaked through into the round of 16 no because we were as good as some teams that did um, but it just wasn't to be you've got to build on it though, haven't you you got you know that's the key you know we didn't do that after 2016 we uh, we fluffed qualifying for World Cup. Not a strong group, if truth be told. The Republic of Ireland did a number on us in two games. Really dragged us down a bit to their level, frankly. And um, and we 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 didn't build on it. And so qualifying for for, for these ones, um, you know, qualifying for the Euros isn't as hard as qualifying for a World Cup. You know, there's this there's far far fewer places available for a World Cup. So let's let's not maybe exaggerate it too much. But. Um, to get over the disappointment of of, of of failing to qualify for a World Cup from a fairly, as I said, a fairly easy group. Our group was harder this time round, notwithstanding the, you know, in terms of the quality of the other teams. Um, that's actually quite reassuring because there's a danger that we just revert to type and we just stop qualifying for stuff. So that was important. You've you, you, you got to build on it. Like I said, it might, it might be at the expense of us, mind, but that's, that's important because, um, you know, these players, once they get a taste of tournament football, it's different for, for Russell's team. You know, they, they, they're there all the time. I mean, qualifying is just a cakewalk every time. Um, it, it, once they've got a taste for it, it's a real test of character for them to say, okay, like, you know, go go again. You know, get, and, 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 and so that's a horrible cliche, isn't it? But you know what I mean? You've had, a, you've had a taste of it. If you want it again, you've really got to, to go for it and build on it. And I think, um, uh, you know, the momentum we've shown since that, from where I'm sitting anyway, appears to be that, you know, you're, you're giving it a decent, a decent shout. Certainly better than we did after after 2016. Yeah, I mean the performance against Denmark um, there at the end of the World Cup 2022 qualification was the performance that we hoped for. You know, the two 0 we beat Denmark two 0 and we were great that night, and and that was the performance we had hoped for at Euro 2020. But we just weren't, as you're saying there, Russell, at that level yet. So we'd be hoping now that. We are, if, if well, you'll not be certainly in, in this playoff, but <laughs> we will. But that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you compare. You know, Billy Gilmore's making his, his international debut, wasn't it? It was his first ever Scotland cap against England. No, he had played. He played the uh, up games, Luxembourg oh, and Holland, yeah. I think okay. both. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Competitive debut then, wasn't it? In that in that respect, yeah. Um, you know, irrespective of Modric winning a hundred caps, a lot of those have been in tournament games. 
Um, you know, and I think that's that's where countries like that do have a bit of a, a, a march on, the likes of yourselves and us as well. You know, having those tournament games under the belt is so is so key because you know there's there's a uh, you know that, that that tournament football, knowing what to do and when and and all the rest of it. It's, 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 it's you know it's incredibly important to have that, which is why you know a lot of people sort of saying, "Oh, let's not take Chris Gunter." And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. You know, he's not first choice. I think he's is he League One now, I think. But he's got knowledge and experience of a tournament and a successful tournament as well. So you, you don't dispense with that, that experience when you've got so few people available to choose from who've got it. Um, and I think that's really, really, really important. And not you shouldn't really sort of overemphasize, uh, sorry, so, uh, you know, um, uh, underappreciate the, the, the value of that. Um, you know, that, that kind of know-how. In terms of the um, re- the rest of the, um, the groups, what was your um, t- kind of highlights from them? Anyone can jump in here. My, 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 probably my highlight um, was the, the opening game of the tournament, um, actually, was um, Italy 3, Turkey now, wasn't it? Um, and r- right there and then, you know, when I seen that performance, that I, I thought Italy were up, you know, I, I immediately thought to myself, well, they're up for this. I, I think they might be might be on for a winner here, um, just because, you know, I, I, honestly, I thought it was maybe going to be England or Italy or, you know, possibly Belgium. Uh, maybe from those three, we'd, we'd get to the final um, and, and sure enough, Italy made it. So that was probably one of the most impressive um, games of the tournament for, for, uh, of the group stages, certainly for me, was that opening fixture. I don't know what the other guys said. I would agree with that, that the, the Italy in the opening fixture, and then they backed it up, didn't they, with another 3-0 win, and they looked like a club team. I remember thinking, this is the best team. Um, um, aye. Belgium, I thought, were a bit disappointing, personally. I, I thought they looked a bit tired, uh, and then they kind of held back on De Bruyne, didn't they? And then they brought him on at half-time against Denmark. He got them instantly out of jail. I didn't think they were really clicking too too much. The Netherlands, they won all three games, didn't they? they? They were, again, they looked a bit complacent against Ukraine, didn't they? But they were as good as anybody else, I suppose. I thought England, they won our group and I thought England were unlucky in, insofar as they had Germany to face in the next round, which I know sometimes we've kind of implied that England maybe had a lot in their favour, they had the worst round of 16, they had to overcome Germany, that was really, the, they had to play off I mean they had the group of death, in group F didn't we, which was just, I mean the quality in that group, that was just blew your mind, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of quality in that group, but I also think there was a lot of underachievement in that group, I mean, because um, France didn't play particularly well in their games, obviously they got through Portugal needed a couple of Ronaldo penalties in their matches. Hungary ran all three of them quite close. I mean, even the game they lost 3-0, it was three goals in the last six minutes against Portugal and they were very unlucky against Germany. Germany were good against Portugal, but I don't think they were up to much in the other two games as well. So it was, in, it was interesting. That was my kind of foresight on it. I think that, that last group, wasn't it? It was Group F, um, with France, Germany, Portugal and, and Hungary. But... They, they all sort of nullified each other, didn't they? I mean, and especially that that last round of fixtures when it could have gone gone anywhere, I think, at one stage. Wasn't, wasn't Hungary going through in, in second place, I think, um, when the when the uh, halfway through the, the second half of the, the last round of games. But it, it all 
um, fizzled out when I think it was just looking at it here. Port- Portugal was was two two with France, and then it was Germany two two with Hungary. Um, but it was it was quite an entertaining last match day of that group, um, and, and probably ended as as everyone had probably predicted it would anyway. And um, obviously, um, the main talking point in the whole tournament, as it turned out, was the, the Christian Eriksen situation. Um, very sad what happened. Um, but very quick, Simon Kier put him in the recovery position, made sure that um, there was a protective wall around him, etc. And um, thankfully, he came through a bit of a um, scandal, though, the fact that that game carried on. I mean, because it takes away from Finland's first ever game in the Euros. And they won the game, but that gets forgotten about for um, obvious reasons. And maybe, maybe that would have been better played the next day, the, the remaining half. But um, UEFA kind of made that decision. I think UEFA gave. The, I think UEFA maybe gave them the choice to play it the next day at twelve or to finish it that evening. UEFA could have taken out the hands, in my opinion. Yeah. I know Christian Eriksen gave like, the go ahead to say it's all right, just go and continue. But you could tell a mile off the Denmark players weren't in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I'm definitely not agreeing with UEFA making ultimatums in those circumstances, but that appears to be what they did. That 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 incident, because um, that was a, that was the, the game after the the, the Wales uh, Switzerland game. It was later that 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 day. Um, so we we were you know again in a tournament, um, you know first kind of uh, full sort of match day. You obviously had the, the Friday night opening fixture. Um, you know it was great. You know, got out of jail a little bit, so we're happy. Watch, settle down to watch that. Um, so it's a little bit of the rooting for the underdog, a little bit. You know, Finland against Denmark, um, and that it's just overshadowed the whole day, um, the whole weekend, uh, the whole tournament, I suppose. But in terms of just the the real kind of there and then, um, and I just thought, oh, should be kind of happy that we we've, we've you know nabbed the draw against you know a good Switzerland team, just took 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 the gloss off it an awful lot, and. Um, um, I can remember just thinking, I don't know, I'm not really bothered about anything else now this weekend. And I think I think it overshadowed one of the, whichever group it was followed. I don't think I took much notice of the other group because it kind of just passed me by, the opening kind of fixtures from that group. Um, I think it might have been the Netherlands one. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about that, that, that group, um, whoever was playing the following day. Um, awful, awful. And... Um, yeah, I agree with you on the Finland point. We made a point similar to that. We've played Finland an awful lot lately in Nations League and, and we end up having friendlies and stuff. Um, and Helsinki's just an amazing, always an amazing away trip. Um, got some Finnish friends and I have a bit of an affinity for Finland. I was really looking forward to them, you know, being on that on that, that stage. And again, just completely, completely overshadowed. Um, but yeah, and in an amazing kit as well, the away kit with the cross, the chain strip. Very nice, very nice. It was nice, um, but Denmark. To be, I mean, to be fair, they recovered from that awful start. Um, what a performance they produced against Russia to um, to get through. I mean, um, because, I mean, I think a lot of people thought Denmark had a good side, but I think that game they really opened everyone's eyes to see it. They were a pretty good side. We had them in the Nations League, and they they did us two 0 in both games, home and away. Um, really, they are, they are a good side. Good side. Um, I wasn't overly pleased <laughs> um, about about getting them in the round of sixteen. I've got to be honest. And um, 
they probably did a number on us, which is a, was a shame. But um, and what was interesting was, you know, we started that game incredibly well. For about 15, 60 minutes, it was all us. Create a few chances, all us. And then they make a change. They move Anders, and it's Anders, isn't it? Anders Christensen, basically just man Mark Ramsey, take him up the game. Um, and we couldn't, we couldn't adjust. And that for us then, in terms of like the evolution of our, of our squad under, under Page, was a worry then because he couldn't adjust. And he had pretty much a, a full, um, you know, almost an hour, well, over an hour to, to be able to adapt to that, couldn't, and then just picked us off. And then we got a little bit, we got a little bit petulant, which was a real shame because that's not been a, a part of our game for a while. And I, I thought um, I was a bit disappointed with how we ended up uh, conducting ourselves at the end of that, to be honest, which again, is, it doesn't, that's never been something I've, I've, um, I've, I've felt the need to say, um, which is a shame, really. Denmark were also the only team to lose their first game, in, first two games rather than go through, weren't they? I picked the wrong game that night. I'm just looking at, I was, couldn't remember what game I watched instead, but I watched Finland-Belgium, which finished 2-0 Belgium, and then turned over, and the, the drama was already over in Denmark-Russia. But I, I would agree, John, that that was definitely one of the highlights. John, I know we're going to move on to the knockouts uh, next, uh, but I just want to take a break for a second um, and just uh, give you a wee message from our show's sponsor uh, tonight, guys. Um, it's holiday season, um, and I don't know I don't know how they do it uh, down in England and Wales, guys, uh, but uh, up here on our Christmas tree, uh, some of the uh, jingle balls that we have are hairy. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know, but by listening to the SFF podcast, you can get 20% off at Manscaped. Now, Manscaped do a variety of products for male grooming, including the um, Lawnmower 4, which I have personally, and I can absolutely vouch for its um, great um, necklace shaving. I, I have remained relatively necklace so far, uh, Touchwood. Uh, also, loads of different products like the Signature Cologne um, and <laughs> their Reviver Ball Toner. So, um, yeah, lo loads of different products. And it's coming up to Christmas, guys. So, if it's a gift for your, maybe your brother or you want to get someone a, another mate, mate a gift for Secret Santa, you're getting 20% off at Manscaped using the code SFF Podcast. That's SFF Podcast on manscaped.com. Um, and as I say, great products, great products. That's a brilliant. Um, I think you're rivaling John for um, the voice of Manscaped on the SFF podcast, definitely. Um, certainly, certainly get better part of them, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that would be too hard to know. John, he actually does a great job with the Manscaped. It's always um, very random. <laughs> Russell and Russell, who are the Manscaped champions in the Welsh and England squads? I have no idea. <laughs> right answer. Um, <laughs> um, we used to worship Joe Allen's hair, but he's had it cut, and he's he's a bit older now as well. So um, you know, Joe Ledley and his beard obviously was a was a massive uh, uh, a, a massive part of the the, the squad, sort of under Coleman. But uh, I don't know. I'll have to give that a bit more thought. I think. Yeah, it's just been dropped in. So I've also covered off, um, you know, Wales. Um, into the tournament going out um, to Denmark. I mean, when you look at what Denmark, how far Denmark ended up going, did you think that was a missed opportunity, Russell, or did you just think that 
on the day you were up against a much better side? Much, I wouldn't say a much better side. Um, they, 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 they worked us out. Yeah, simple as that. I think they just did a job on us on the day. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to know from their perspective, you know, quite how how much they were playing on emotion and and, and that kind of thing. I, I don't know. I did sense that. <laughs> Pretty much everybody else in the tournament was back, was rooting for them. I know that, but that's how it, that's how it felt anyway. Um, you know, we started well. I remember, like I said, I, I remember thinking, "Hey, this is this is this is good. This is good." Because we'd started slow against Switzerland. We'd started slowly a little bit against Italy, although you know, I'm not going to worry too much about that. You know, it felt like how we'd started against Turkey, and I thought, "Oh, here we go. This is this is okay." Um, but once they'd scored, that was it. You could see them again, that, that, that belief that was running through them and that, as I said, obviously playing with a little bit of emotion, accounting for a large part of that performance, I'm sure. Um, we just, we just fell away. We fell away. And like I said, I was disappointed with how we, we ended up conducting ourselves. Harry Wilson comes on. You can see, I don't, I don't think the referee was great. We had, we had a couple of poor refereeing, um, performances actually. I mean, against Italy as well, Ampadu got sent off for very harshly. But when you're watching on the bench as Harry Wilson is, and you can see how how it's play, planning pl- playing out, you know you've got you've got to enter that game knowing how you need to be playing the referee, and he just gives this kind of petulant kind of kick away or trip trip up of, of of the player, you know nowhere near the ball, and 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 you know it's another red card. We ended up I think with the, the worst disciplinary record in the tournament um, in terms of you know uh, you know uh, pro rata in terms of the games we played. I don't you know I don't think we're a dirty team, you know we're not. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that was, it was, it was the manner in which we went out. You don't mind losing to a better team and they were better on the day and we let ourselves down a little bit. And that's not a view that's shared. I, I know we've, we've, we've covered this in our podcast and a few people have gone and said, oh, you know, you've, you've been a bit soft and, you know, it's there, you know, it's competition football. You do what you've got to do and, and dark arts and all the rest of it. Well, you know, when you're three nil down, you're not, you're not, you're not going to win the game, are you? Um, you 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 go out with a little bit of grace, and I think we we, we lacked that, and that was disappointing. Uh, I've not seen it since. As I said I haven't seen it before, not seen it since. So, a bit of an aberration, perhaps. Yeah, so that was two of the home nations going out. Um, well, from my point of view, the home nations, but there was one still in, and uh, Russell O, um, the England game. How much belief did you believe that you could um, get from that that um, England could go um, all the way this time? I mean, as soon as we knew the the pathway that that Germany were were going to be the opponents, everyone everyone's ears pricked up, don't they? It's like Germany at home, um, and the, sort of everyone starts bringing up sixty six two thousand and one, the five one, and and various other incidents, um, and and sort of confidence is high, and and I think people were saying Germany aren't weren't the team that. Maybe they they're known to be. So we thought we had a chance. Um, it it was one of those games that again I, I, I can't remember a great deal of it other than than the goals. There was just the the two late goals from from Sterling and Kane. Obviously Sterling had scored the two previous, um, and Kane finally got off the mark with the header um to to take us through and 
and it was once once we'd got through that game, then it was like, hang on a minute, we've we've beaten Germany at home. Whether they're the best German team of all time, um, doesn't matter. Um, we've beaten Germany at home. It is a a big confidence booster. And it's like actually right. Where where are we going now? Can we uh, can we get to the can we get to the next round? Can we get to the semis? Can we get to the final? Can we win the final? It's it's all that thinking there. Um, so yeah, confidence confidence grew from that, um, and perhaps it was it was a good thing that the next game we had was away from Wembley. Um, maybe it just calmed everyone down a bit that we had Ukraine away in Rome, um, that, that maybe there wasn't a, a clamour from everyone. I mean, obviously, everyone wanted to be there, but it was only sort of expats over there in in uh, in Rome that were able to get tickets. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the win over, over Germany certainly was the, the spike for, for confidence, and, and it was a decent performance from what I can remember as well. I suppose, um, Russell, the biggest compliment I can, I can pay you on that um, is after that Germany game, um, I was worried. I was, <laughs> I was really worried. Um, you know, and uh, I, 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 it was like I, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, the stars were starting to align. I, I see, we all, you know, Scotland fans, I mean, we all, we all follow whoever England, whoever's playing England, and we've seen the pathway, and I thought, shit. Um, and sure enough, you know, sure enough, you know, you, you still with Ukraine, professional job. Um, yeah, totally professional uh, job. The Denmark game was a lot closer run. Uh, what did you What did you think of the penalty in the 120th minute? I'm trying to... Oh, trying to that late. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to cast my mind back. I mean, obviously, Denmark, Denmark became everyone's second team, didn't they? Simply because of of the Ericsson incident and, and what Russell was saying there about um, that they were, they were a class team against Wales, I think, and, and really showed their, their class. And, and I think as well, one of the, they were maybe one of the surprise teams of the tournament to get as far as they did. Um, the penalty. I can't remember from truly. I I really can't remember. All I remember is the penalty is Kane obviously missed it, scored from the rebound. But there was the whole laser pen incident. Um, so much around it. Um, you've you probably gathered that I've got a memory like a sieve. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was going to be a tough game because of what they they built up the the Ericsson incident as well and, and they put Ericsson up on the big screen and I think there was there was a round of applause for him on so many minutes. Um, so, yeah, they, they'd obviously got so far and, and people knew various players, obviously from being in the Premier League, the likes of Schmeichel and that and knew, knew how big a player he is and, and how good a player he is. Um, so, yeah, to even, to even get past there... Um, then, then it was like, actually, right, hang on, we've made this now. <laughs> we've made it to the final. It was a very strange feeling. Yeah, it must have been because you've also had some uh, near misses over the years. You know, you talk about 2018, obviously, there was um, the semifinals Italian night in Euro 96. Um, so, no, I think, um, I think a lot of England fans 
not necessarily yourself, obviously, but I think a lot of England fans don't appreciate, you know, what Gareth Southgate did in getting them there in the first place. Um, there's still a lot of England fans now that question Southgate, and I just don't get it. You know, yeah, he didn't have a great club management career, but sometimes you don't need to be a great club manager to be a good international manager. There's two different um, ball games altogether, and he's adapted extremely well to it. Yeah, oh, I, there are elements of, of people that aren't particularly happy with, with Southgate, but I, I do wonder whether this is the whole sort of social media generation that all of a sudden everyone can have a, uh, have a say through a, through, a, through a phone or a laptop and, and you just get to see a lot of these comments when you, you didn't see a lot of those comments back when Bobby Robson was, was manager and, and the only criticism he seemed to get was, was through the papers. Um, and you don't know where, where half of these Twitter Southgate out, hashtag Southgate outs come from, whether they're coming from England, whether they're coming from around the world, you really don't know. But yes, there is a there is a percentage of people that aren't perhaps happy with with what he's doing at the moment. But he's taken us to to a semi-final in the World Cup. He's taken us to a final in the Euros. He's taken us to the, the finals of a the inaugural Nations League, of which we okay, we came third in. Um, what I often say to people is, if who are you going to replace him with? I, I don't feel there's anyone at the moment who could replace him. Okay, he's a, perhaps been shown to be a, a little bit naive in in those big games, maybe not changing it where where he should do, and, and I think that's perhaps a, a justified criticism. But he's learning as he's going along, and and that's what more can you ask for? I think. Exactly. Um, in terms of the um, other games leading up to the um, the final, what were the t- t- sort of highlights for all you guys? I'll bring you in, Neil, first because you've not spoken for five minutes or so. Well, there was that magic Monday, wasn't there, in the round of 16 with the, the two, three each draws back to back. I was at Hamden for um, Sweden versus Ukraine. So that, that was a highlight for me. Um, that was the fourth and final game at Hamden. I'd been at all four, so that was a personal highlight. Um, to appreciate a ga- uh, two games as a neutral, two Scotland games um, in the group stage. So, but that that night, the the two three each draws. Uh, I remember watching the the first game, um, which was Croatia Spain, and it was just it was bedlam, wasn't it? I think that was in a lot of ways what you could expect from Spain. They had been this obviously huge possession as you would expect from Spain, but capable of like the football to be crazy at times like you could you couldn't predict what was going to happen next. Pedri, if you remember with the um, pass back that the keeper let in. Um and then the, the incredible comeback last you'd never have seen Croatia um coming back, but then they did three each extra time. And then extra time was like much better than you would usually get from extra time in a major tournament. It's usually Stale for penalties, isn't it? But there was two two more goals, so five three for Spain, and then you thought, wow, what a game! And then next game came on, France versus Switzerland, and it was it was the same again, wasn't it? Um, that's right, isn't it? France Switzerland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and France got dumped out on penalties. Um, Switzerland again with the two late goals to draw three each, and Pogba. Remember the celebration made themselves look. 
quite ridiculous. Scored an absolute beauty and then did some kind of strange robotic celebration, which and he had been one of the players of the tournament, hadn't he? He'd been um, incredible for, for France and I suppose similar to, to England, Deschamps has been criticised a bit and you kind of wonder if it's what did I say? That, so some of the Southgate, that's what I meant to say. Um, not quite sure how it came out, but I'm trying to draw the similarity between the criticisms of Southgate and the criticisms of Deschamps. And I think what these guys are doing is they're... I, I think possibly, I don't know if Russell would agree, that Southgate has kind of tried to model his style of play almost on maybe the success of France at 2018. I, I believe statistically England were the... the so in terms of build-up play... They were the least direct team at Euro 2020, which I thought was quite interesting. So, but then that, we're not at the final yet, but somehow that seemed to go out the window at the final. So England were really a really patient team who built up from the back. Um, but uh, they, then when the final came around, it, it was it was it kind of reverted almost to type. It was a bit strange, and you, that's not type anymore, but with the more, the more direct play when... when um, they, they took the lead, maybe jumping the gun here to, to the final, but um, yeah, that that was those three draws. They were certainly a highlight for me. The Italy Spain semi final, I thought, just was real quality. Just you know, almost like a work of art. Just just the just like a different level of football. Um, not not necessarily exciting. But just absolute quality, um, and you know, you know, it's, it's one of those games where you thought, look, you know, whoever's going to win this is going to really deserve to win it. However, it goes through, even if it's penalties or whatever. And I remember thinking all the way, thinking England are looking good. I, you know, I agree with what Josh was saying about stars, and maybe feeling a little bit worried. Um, but thinking it's England are going to have to play really, really well if they, if they, if at this point, if they get to the final. Um, or, or, or um, once we knew that they were there, whoever they were going to, they were going to have to play really, really well against two quality sides. I just, and, and Pedro, I think, in that game was was just sublime. Um, just heard how, how well he played, and, and for someone so young as well, that was a real quality game, real quality. Um, and um, yeah, the, th- the three all is just amazing. Like you said, it's, it's sometimes knockout football can can be a little bit cagey, and it can be a bit. Can be a little bit dull, um, you know, in terms of drama, but um, just gung ho, brilliant, brilliant. Josh, what about yourself? Any um, memories for you before we get to the final? Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot. I, I think a lot, a, you know, a lot of the wins have been taken of our sales with, with that. I mean, the, the, the Manic Monday one, that was amazing. Uh, my other one actually was, was, you know, was that game that Russell was just talking about. Um, that that um, and I, I totally agree with you. The, the the football that was on show, and I remember watching that semi final, um, and thinking to myself, taking that almost because I, I think at that point we kind of I can't remember what game first, but we either knew at least first. Yeah, yeah. So so we suspected that England were pro- probably going to do Denmark. Um, although I hoped I hoped that I did hope that Denmark would go on and win it. Just you know because it would have been one of the great sports stories. Um, but one thing that what little vestige of hope that I was I was really clinging to was was watching that game and thinking, boy, these these two teams are seriously good. 
And I've got to say, Spain, I think they are coming around again. Um, you know, just looking at our team, Pedri, uh, the boy Torres, I think they are they're coming back around as a, as a force in Europe after a few years kind of um, in the doldrums. Yeah, I think they proved that in the recent Nations League, going to Milan and beating Italy, and they were outstanding that night. Um, so, you know, I think that shows that they are definitely coming around again as an emerging um, top nation again. But on this occasion, it was Italy that prevailed. Um, and Rio Ferdinand said that neither side would beat England in the final. Well, the final um, proved to be, to be a different occasion. Again, it went to penalties. Russell... You're the only one out of us that's managed to see the country at a major um, international final. So, um, just, I mean, I'm not going to lie, three minutes in, the most unlikely goal scorer, the surprise um, package of the tournament, Luke Shaw, scores a really good goal. Whilst we are thinking up here, oh shit, here we go. Um, Just sum up your emotions. (laughs) Well, the thing is, that that moment in time there, it was head explode moment um but it had only temporarily taken away everything that had sort of i'd witnessed from the previous uh four or five hours um which unfortunately soured my whole memories of it um i say i've got a memory like a sieve unfortunately i remember a lot of like the just that particular day just not being the the showpiece event that it that it really should have been um the the build up to it just being in and around that whole whole area was was just wasn't a particularly nice environment to 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 witness and be part of um i mean it's all been well documented um in the media and and reports have come out about it but the that moment though of being in in Wembley and and seeing your your country lining up for a final little things actually like the I mean they put the the large trophy on the uh in the center circle they had all all the the build up to it that they do now um, sort of the, the light shows and the the pyrotechnics, the red arrows coming over um, was was an amazing moment actually. Um, but yeah, when when Luke Shaw scored after three minutes, it was up the other end from from where I was standing. So it was almost like, have I just have I seen that right? Because I'm straight. I was lower tier for that. Um, I don't know what I was about twenty rows up on the lower tier, so you could see. There was it was going on up there, but I didn't I didn't know immediately who'd scored. Um, just it was it was Bedlam behind the goal there, and it's like hang on a minute. Once, once everyone had, had calmed down, it's like hang on. Have have we scored too early here? Have we have we really shot our bolt too early? How are we gonna? Are we either gonna hang on to try and hang on to this against Italy, um, or we're gonna go try and go for the jugular? Um, unfortunately, it it didn't didn't pan out our way. Um, there were a, a few incidents that, unfortunately, uh, I th- I mean VAR was was in in use for for the tournament. 
Um, there were a couple of incidents that I think perhaps should have been looked at a little bit more. I think it was um, uh, Chiellini. It was either Chiellini or Bonucci on on Saka. Um, Chiellini, aggress- yeah. yeah, aggressively pulling him back. Um, unfortunate. Um, we we didn't we didn't capitalise. We didn't go for the jugular, and this is where I was saying that maybe Gareth Southgate needs to to learn from these moments and that and that possibly is is his only downfall at the moment um yeah and went to penalties and what well, extra time penalties just didn't fall our way yeah i think you were good for the first half hour and then i think from there on at least slowly dominated after took that control. And, um, they just yeah, they just took complete control and maybe their experience, you know, with the likes of Chiellini um, probably helped there, whereas England still, people forget, it's a very young team and, and then you've got three young guys taking part. And I know Marcus Rashford takes penalties a lot. That's unfortunate for him, um, you know, and, and then he normally has that run up. He normally scores at that occasion, just went the other side. But the other two, not great run-ups, um, two young boys, um and no, were they the right ones to take it when you had Sterling, you had Grealish? But um, Gareth Southgate is adamant that that's the way it had to go. Oh, well, as well, I, I think he brought on Rash, both Rashford and, and Sancho. Sancho. With, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if Sancho had a kick of the ball in in normal time. Um, I think Rashford had come on for maybe a moment before, so they weren't perhaps mentally involved in the game. They were sitting watching it from, from the, from the halfway line. Uh, so it clearly brought them on four penalties. Okay. Yes. We know that Rashford can score a penalty, um, but I, I don't imagine he'd ever come on just to, to score a penalty. I mean, isn't that what they're doing? Uh, let's say American football, where they'll bring a player on to, to just score a particular goal. Again, my knowledge of American football isn't, isn't the best. Um, yeah, it, let's say some of the run-ups, I remember being behind that goal, the run-ups I'm, in my head, I probably said it out loud. What are you doing? Don't, don't run up and, and be silly like that. It's, it's not the way you're going to score a penalty. We've, we've seen players like this do, do that and miss in major tournaments over the years. And you just got to smack it really, haven't you? Hit the target, hit it hard, no messing around. I think, uh, Russell, I think that, um, you know, you said about bringing Rashford on and Sancho and just, just for the purpose of taking pens, I think it maybe was a bit naive of Southgate. Um, and, and, and that stage of the tournament on penalties to win the tournament at Wembley and their, and their home ground, I think is about far more than your ability to take a penalty. There is, there is so much more that comes into it than, you know, I don't even... I can't even imagine the pressure that, that was putting those boys. And like John said, I, I feel that the game itself was was boys versus men, was men versus boys. You know, um, Italy were streetwise. Um, they they knew when to when to make the fouls. Um, they knew when to play dirty. They you know they they done all that. Um, and and after half an hour, they kind of took control of the game and and, and took it to pens. They, could have won it, possibly England. I mean, England could have won it, I know, but but I felt that throughout the game, Italy it, it, it dominated it. 
they probably were. I think they were worthy winners. Um, yeah, I mean, they were worthy winners, but on penalties, it's it's not. I hate people saying it's a lottery. It's not a lottery, but you know, I think that Southgate was a wee bit naive asking, but you know, young guys like um, like let's is it Saka Sako Saka Saka yeah yeah. yeah I, I think just putting that weight on their shoulders at Wembley in a final is I I'm not surprised that the Italy had the the, the calmness and and the you know, just to dispatch their penalties, put them away. And, you know, Donnarumma, he's, he's such a great keeper, you know. Um, I'm not surprised that, that Italy went on, on to win the shootout. Um, but obviously, it's devastating for, 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 for the England fans. But even more, honestly, I was genuinely, I was devastated for, for those young men, um, those young England players. It, it, it just, I can't even imagine how it must have felt. I think that fortunately, Saka has has grown. It had it doesn't seem to have affected him. Rashford has unfortunately he's been out um, with a shoulder injury for for quite a period of time. Sancho perhaps his form has, has hit him, and perhaps the the whole move to United at such a price hasn't really helped him. Um, yeah. I'm, Unfortunately, they they were the ones that that missed and, and bore the brunt of it. But I'd, I'd like to think that it hasn't affected them too much long term, um, and, and especially that of of Saka. It seems. I I mean they they don't get to the final though, and sort of think, you know, ten minutes into extra time. Oh, hang on a minute, penalties. Ooh, are we going to put? Who, who do you think then, guys? You know. It would have been planned for. They'd, they'd have known, you don't know how the game's going to pan out, who's going to still be on the pitch and all the rest of it, but they'd have had scenarios. And I don't know, I looked at that England team going into the, you know, irrespective of how the game pans out, and I, you know, I agree with Josh's analysis of it, Italy grew into the game and got far, far, got, you know, got more in, in, into control, in control of it. Ugh, I don't see big personality, I don't see big characters in that England team, certainly in the same way you did with Italy. And it's not just about age. I think a lot of people did kind of riff on the whole kind of, you know, early mid thirties of, of Benucci and, and, and Chiellini. Big, big personalities in that, in that, in that team. And you've got them in the France team, although they, you know, they didn't go through on penalties. So it's more, it is more than that. I don't know. I just, just didn't, just don't see those characters in, in that, in that England team, which I think is a shame because, you know, abundant ability, abundant ability. And I think, slightly contradicting myself is given how the the immediate aftermath went and the response certainly and the, the way that uh you know I, I remember texting a you know a couple of the guys off the pot of our podcast and kind of going yeah you have realized what what color skin the guys have missed are don't you you know in within seconds and and could see where that was going sadly um they've got abundant character in that sense to have to deal with all of that but in the there and then on the turf just don't see you didn't just didn't see England winning that penalty shootout. Just didn't, which is a which is a shame really because of course that's the whole riff thing about you know England penalty shootout etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know hopefully they'll continue to grow like you said in terms of Saka it's, it's you know it's encouraging that that a player like that gets over it because um, you know Southgate himself of course you know missed missed one and you know if there is anyone who knows what it's like and and, and can manage those players um, it's him and that's 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 Probably a 
an, an asset maybe going kind of going forward. Um, I'm just mindful that like, you know, the Welsh and the Scottish guys kind of analysing penalty shootouts here like we know what it's like. Um, uh, well, I've got, I've, uh, so, sorry, Russell, I've got to interrupt there. We, we've yes. gone, what's the I know, we've never, I know, we've never but not many, not many. We've got none, um, but it might, it, 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 that's, that's, that's not a hugely tiny kind of chance of statistical chance of happening next March sometime. I know I shouldn't get too far ahead, but crikey, I don't know if I could deal with that. At least it'd be in Cardiff anyway, so there's that. I think it was the big criticism levelled at England on, on the day. It was like, we scored early, obviously, but didn't really like try to defend that lead for the whole match, you know, and and didn't really even use it to to develop a counter-attack and, you know, like to launch counter-attacks on Italy, you know, and, and I think the, the same criticism had been kind of levelled at Southgate in the group stages where it kind of sat on the one their leads. Um, against Croatia and the Czech Republic when there was chances with all that attacking flair, you know, that, that it didn't really, the chance was there, you know, it must be, I mean, I'm not trying to rub it in in any way here, Russell, you know, but that, you know, with all that attacking flair, I'm, I'm genuinely not, you know, I'm, uh, it's, it's, and it's one of those ones that the, uh, the penalties, I felt as if the, the introduction, the 120 minute subs, firstly, England were defending a corner and, Brought on Rashford and it just created and and Sancho and it created this chaos, didn't it? It created this atmosphere to me as 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 a viewer on the telly. It created this atmosphere of chaos that that hadn't been there for the whole tournament. It had all been about this measured play, you know, everything was planned to a T, and and it had all kind of worked out that way. You know, maybe I mean the game was a draw ultimately. Italy didn't beat England; it was a draw, and and. I just felt as if the, the subs created this chaotic atmosphere. I don't know. I mean, to to be there, Russell, that must have been. I mean, obviously, it ended didn't end the eight the way you wanted it, but to be at a Euro final of your nation, amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's so fantastic. The to actually be there, um, and even though we we lost on on penalties and and lost the game. It it's not something that I th- I, th- I thought I'm I'm not going to probably see one of these or or be able to be at one of these again. So I, I, I sort of bit my tongue and and stuck it out and watched Italy lift the trophy. Um, and because I thought well, it's, yeah, I'm not going to see this again. Um, so yeah, to to witness that as well was was good. Um, it was it was worth the uh, missing the train home for I guess. Um. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I was there moment. I was fortunate enough to to be there. But next time, hopefully, um, I want to be there seeing us lift the trophy. You never know. You're certainly going to be in the mix. I would think so. Um, one of the tasks I ask you, you guys all to do um, between us is to come up with a team of the tournament. So um, we've all um, hopefully got our um, our eleven from the tournament written down, and then from that we'll see if we can come up with. Um, win between us so um, Russell Todd I'll come come to you first um, so who's the 11 you've got written down and um, what formation did you go with as well uh, so like a 4 probably 4-3-3 four, three, three maybe uh, probably put Pedri in behind the, behind the front front players maybe so someone a bit more sophisticated than that but um, I, I've, I've actually 
kind of I've gone with some sort of naked um, partisanship on my part in terms of goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, I think Summer and, and, and Donnarumma had better tournaments. But just a shout out for Danny Ward, really, because I think he was overlooked in a lot of the conversations. He had a great four games for us. You know, doesn't play week in, week out. Uh, I, I, I know you got a bit of time from John as well, being a, a Don's fan as well. Um, there's a there's a really, really good keeper there. Um, I just wish the, 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 the world, or certainly the... The Premier League in England had a chance to see it, which is a shame. But uh, he was he was terrific. Um, there were better goalkeepers, but like I said, just some naked partisanship on my part. He's the only Welsh player in mind, by the way. I haven't, you know, this is this isn't the theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want me to go through them all, or just position? Are we doing positions or what? Just name your team, and then we'll. Yeah. So yeah, Warren Goal. Um, I actually thought Bonucci. I know Chiellini got a lot of headlines. I thought Bonucci was a far better centre back actually all the way through the tournament. Bonucci's just class. Um, a little bit, I think, you know, as much for how he played, but but just how he just dealt with that squad and managed it. Simon Kiar for, for Denmark, you know, he is a good player. I've seen him up close a few times uh, against Wales. As I said, we've, we've had a lot of games against the Danes. Quality, quality centre-back. Terrific captain as well. Um, and I thought Joachim Marla, I've put him on the right, although I think he played more on the left for Denmark. Um, he was brilliant, I thought. Um but I think I'm right in saying he's sort of like right-footed, so he did a lot of kind of cutting in, um, and and he, he 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 caused us all sorts of problems in the in the round of sixteen. Uh, and I went for Spinazzola on the other side. He was a revelation. I thought someone I I'm not sure I'd even heard of before the the tournament. Um, I got a massive amount of time for for Calvin Phillips. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's going to become an even better player. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what sort of Russell thinks about him, whether maybe maybe Rice is the, the preferred holding midfielder amongst England fans. I don't know of the two, but I thought Phillips was excellent. I think I'm right in saying he was on the field for you know all of the semi, all of the final. You know, he's become a key player through that tournament. Got a lot of time for him. Um Pedri, just different class. For me, probably my player of the tournament. Someone so young to be so composed. He's just gonna be a delight to watch, you know, in years in years to come. And I went for um, uh, Pierre. What's his Pierre something? Hoiberg. Uh, Mine's gone blank. The Dane. Anyway, um, again, I thought just you know, really kind of took hold of that team, took hold of that squad because he had to. Because Ericsson would be usually their their, their pivot, and and you know, it's, you, you know, I just was really really impressed with him. Again, seeing him up close, and again, he destroyed us. Uh, him and him and Marla were the were the two best players um, against us. Sterling, I thought, had a great tournament. Russell said at the start about, you know, players on his uh, media on the back and fans on his back. I, I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't understand that whole mentality. You know, it, you, I know it's different because England have got so many talented players, all of them, many of them would walk, you know, their second string players would walk into Wales's team. They'd walk into Scotland's team, you know. I understand that. The, the, the guy is a class act, just, I don't, well, I just don't get that. Um, so I was pleased that he, he had a good tournament for him. Um, and I went for Sheik, sorry, uh, to the Scots. And uh, I thought Chiesa was, was excellent as well um, through the course of the tournament. And he um, he played well against us as well. So I've, I've slightly erred towards those I saw and took a lot of notice of in, in the games against us. So there's a slight sort of bias in that regard. But... Um, uh, there's a little bit of balance in that team as well, I think. I'm not sure Phillips, but Phillips might get overrun a little bit. But that's the point. Hoiberg was just, he was getting stuck in. He was all over the pitch. He was holding, he was he was tackling. 
And then he's popping up and he's creating chances and he had a few assists. Just real kind of all-action performance. Um, I'm going to go up in terms of where I can see it on the screen. So, Josh, you can go next. Um, yep, okay. Um, I'm, I'll give you a four, uh, like a four, four, two, but a kind of diamond of a four in the middle. Um so my team's fairly Italy heavy, um, and it's because I, I do, you know, I, I'm an Italy fan. Apart from Scotland, I do have a bit, a bit of an Italian connection. Um, so I obviously went for um, Gianluigi Donnarumma uh, Nets. Um, I went for the Denmark right back. Is it male? Male. I thought it was just really impressive. I'd never heard of him before the tournament. I, I thought it was just very impressive. Um, centre-backs, um, my, they would actually have lumped them down as my player of the tournament, a joint award for Leonardo Bonucci and uh, Giorgio Chiellini. Um, Italians have this great saying, and it doesn't really translate into English, it's called La Sprezzatura, and it just means um, it's when someone portrays an, an effortless sense of class and style. And there's no there's no literal translation, and I just I've always I've just I just feel like that that's what Bonucci and Kelly may do. They're just you know everything they touch is just looks so easy and and is so class. And I don't know where Italy goes after them, but um, yeah yeah. So they were centre backs. Uh, Leonardo Spinazzola at left back. Um, brilliant tournament. Very very um, disappointing for him to to miss out on the latter stages of the tournament. Uh, Jorginho at centre-mid. Actually, uh, Hoiberg kind of holding mid. Um, he was class all tournament. Um, just all over the pitch, all energy. Um, a surprise one for the Danes. I actually thought that um, the, the fact the fact that, that you know, obviously, obviously it was horrible what, Eriks, what happened to Eriksen, but the fact that he was taken out of the of the tournament meant that, that some of the other midfield players for Denmark had a chance to shine, as horrible as that is, but but that was the fact. Um, so, yeah, Jorginho, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, I thought was was brilliant in the tournament. He scored, honestly, a fucking incredible goal. The, the one that was a wee bit tippy-tappy and then he kind of hit it with, he's, he rolled it into the, the kind of left side of the net. I can't remember who it was against, um, but uh, yeah, he, he I just I just love him as a player. Uh, Pedri, just he is going to be world class. He is, I mean, he's world class right now, but he's he's going to be really, really world class. Um, strikers, uh, Sterling at number ten, just kind of in behind. Um, you know, as Russell just said, I just think that Sterling is England's best player. He is absolutely fantastic, and he has been for such a since he was young, and he's what twenty six or twenty seven. He's still got another five, six, seven, eight years of, of his international career. You know, he's just, yeah, he's a top, top footballer. And to keep turning out for England like he does, despite all the kind of the media stick that he gets at times and he has done over the years, it's just incredible. Um, and then number nine was a tie for me between two players. I eventually went for Lukaku. Um, I just think. I was trying to think of strikers that performed better than him. I don't think there was any that performed better than Lukaku. Also had Lewandowski, uh, but then I actually reminded myself of Poland's results and where they finished, and I thought, no, leave him. Um, so I eventually went for Lukaku. It wasn't, a great, it wasn't a great tournament for strikers. 
No, it, it wasn't. Which is which is which is funny because you know usually, well, I don't know if Ronaldo. You can't. I suppose Ronaldo is a striker, but you know he, he did all right. But but it wasn't a it wasn't a strikers tournament, was it? Yeah, it I, I, lot, I struggle says like a lot, says a lot, Russell. That you you know you have you have Schick as your as your striker. Yeah, yeah, and I. Lukaku's the better player. There's no question, but um, yeah, um, you, you could just roll the dice, and there's there's probably four or five you could stick in. The, the most impressive players were all were all further back on the on the on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. Good, good team, good team. Russell, what about you? So um, yeah, I mean, just mentioning Ronaldo there and, and goal scorers. I, I did actually read that it was Schick and Ronaldo were both the top scorers in the tournament. Both had five each in it, um, but yeah, just just looking at at my team, um, <laughs> I've never been much of a uh, a formation sort of person, but I've, you know it's, it's Christmas, so let's go Christmas tree formation. Uh, so we're going four three two one. Uh, I, I don't think you can, uh, or just as a, I've only put four England players in this. Um, but I've also put four Italian players in it, um, and I don't think you can you can look past Donnarumma for goalkeeper. I, th- I thought he had a superb tournament, um, and the fact that Italy went on a a run of what was it thirty plus games unbeaten, um, and and he and Bonucci and Chiellini were all part of that tells its own story. So yeah, in front of Donnarumma, Bonucci and Chiellini, two of the England players, Shaw and Walker left back and right back I thought Shaw came into um, into himself in the tournament he he was sort of overlooked early on in his sort of England career and then as this tournament came around he, he sort of made it his own and um, and has really done well Walker has sort of always tends to to shine and has done well in the the three um, Russell mentioned Phillips, yeah, I've gone for Phillips as well. And, and just touching on what he says about Rice, though the pair of them working together for England just seems to work. They seem to sort of click and, and work in tandem together. Um, it's a great combination that Southgate has uncovered um, and introduced to the team. And, and the pair of them are, are great, but I'll, I'll stick with Phillips. Jorginho, uh, a great tournament. Pedri as well being mentioned by um by Russell as, as well. Another a great player, um Joshua saying that he's, he's world class, can't can't deny that. Two um West Ham connection. Uh I've gone for, for Thomas Suchek um and Andre Yarmolenko. I don't know if you remember the the goal by Yarmolenko against Ukraine against Holland. Um, it was in in the early group stage, um, which was fantastic goal, well worked goal, and, and ended up with him sort of curling it in from from outside of the box. Um, and then up front, my one up front is is my last England man, Raheem Sterling. When England teams are are regularly announced, um, and I'll, I'll go through all the the stats of them for for the Freelines podcast, it's usually a toss up between. Henderson or Sterling as to who is the most experienced England player. Um, and I think Sterling at the moment just edges it with 72 caps he's earned for England over his his career. 18 goals, perhaps he could 
add a, add a few more to that, but I think it's been well documented that to start with, he he was a bit quiet on that front. But yeah, they uh, had a superb tournament, I thought, um, and and got us going in the uh, in the first in that group stage. Yeah, another impressive team. Well, I'll rain them off mine. Um, so I went with Donnarumma and goals as well. I went with Spinner as all at left back. I went with them. Um, the the centre backs I scored out a couple of them um, and then put some back in and stuff. So I, I ended up going with uh, Kealini and John Stones. I thought had an outstanding tournament at centre back. Um, I nearly went with Simon Kier because not only <clears throat> was he great on the pitch, but he was wonderful off the pitch as we mentioned earlier with the Ericsson situation. So very nearly made this. Um, I actually right back went with Mooney of. Um, uh, Belgium, because I thought he had a, a very good tournament early doors. Um, my two holding midfielders, so to speak, were um, Calvin Phillips and Jorginho, who I thought were both outstanding. Um, three behind the main striker, I went with uh, Pedro Sterling and I went with the Downsguards um, of Denmark, because that was a player that really came to the fore um, when um, Eriksen sadly was no longer on the pitch. So I thought he had a super tournament. He scored that um, super goal against Russia. A great free kick in the semi-final against England. I think taking him off actually affected Denmark in that semi-final. And up front, I had to go with the top scorer and Patrick Schick. I know Cristiano Ronaldo was top scorer as well. And I know Yefa had them having their team tournament. But three of his goals were penalty kicks. Schick scored all but one from open play. And I just thought he deserved to go in there. So on to you, Neil, for the last of the best 11s. Yep, I've got Donnarumma and goals. No surprises there. I think maybe the minor surprise was that he won the player of the tournament. I don't know if anybody was a wee bit surprised by that. I wouldn't have gone for him as player of the tournament. I've seen FIFA do that in the past, where it seems to almost be a knee-jerk reaction to what happens in the final. They award the player of the tournament. But anyway, so Donnarumma um, and goals. I went for a 3-5-2 formation, John. So, uh, And that was to work in... I went for Shaw at left wing back. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a massive uh, Shaw fan. He's, he's he's a good enough player. He just had one of those tournaments, so didn't he? He's not had a great season so far with Manchester United, but he was to score in the final. The, the assists against Ukraine. I mean Germany as well. It's just such a pivotal role for England. Um, I, I don't think you can separate Chiellini and Bonucci. So went for both of them. And I also went for um, Kyle Walker as the third centre back, just for his pace. You know, I was, I was, and I, I think as I remember right, England played the, played them there once against Germany. That was the only time Southgate moved from the back four, I think, to a back five, and um, that was to kind of cope with Germany or match them up in the same formation. So Walker, I just thought all tournament. I mean, nobody could get past him. His pace was incredible. And yeah, what a tournament he had. Sufal, I went for right wing back. I thought he's quite overlooked. As I thought he was the best right back. I think um, maybe I don't think it was a tournament for right backs really. And Sufal's been a bit overlooked. He, was, he just had a terrific season with West Ham. He's continued that form. He's, I think he's still a bit overlooked, isn't he? He doesn't seem to do much wrong. And for a tournament where there wasn't. I don't think an outstanding right back. I think probably that's why I went for him. And all of I saw him twice. Um, saw Czech Republic twice. So as Russell was saying, that had a bearing a wee bit. 
Verratti and Jorginho, uh, nobody said Verratti, which I'm quite surprised that Verratti was, for me, after the final, he was my player in the tournament, Verratti. Um, but it was Jorginho who got all the headlines for Ballon d'Or, which I found quite, because he won the Champions League as well. So, but I don't think Jorginho was, he's in my team, but I don't think he was Italy's best player. I think I would have him third or fourth even. Um, but Pedri, I think we've all gone for him. Sterling, I think we've all gone for him. That's been explained. And Schick, yeah, I couldn't not go for him after the, the goal at Hamden, albeit a crushing blow. So that's my team. Excellent. Well, I'm jotting down. This is this is actually almost working out um, easier than expected because most of the names are already um, written down for this team. So we've all went for Donner. Well, all but one went for Donner and um, in goal. Most of us had Chiellini and Bonucci centre back, so that's been taken. Um, Spinner's all the left back. Phillips, Jorginho, Pedri in the midfield. Um, we've all had, or most of us have had. Everyone's had Sterling. Most of us have had Schick, so they make this team. So there's only two spots. There's the right back, which I think there's a tie between Kyle Walker and Mela. Although technically, Neil, you had him as a centre back. So does Mela go in at right back for that? Did Mela play right back? He played left back. He played left back, I know, but two people. Pe- he was in, right with, with the right foot, so he was inverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've put him on the right just to. To fit him and um, uh, Spinazzola in. in, you've got in, a conundrum there, Kyle Walker as well. Is I took him as a right centre back, John. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to make the call. I but I put I put him at right back because um, I went back when I was thinking about you know players that excited me in the tournament. I went back, looked at formations, and I'd seen that he was it was he was playing at right back in the in the couple of in the last uh, two games of the tournament, but maybe you know maybe. I don't know if he'd been swapped about, but um, yeah. He, he, he definitely hurt us from left back, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, so um, so the other position, I don't know if it's the midfield or forward, because we've all got Calvin Phillips, we've got Jorginho, Pedri, Sterling, Schick. So I think a couple, a couple of us had um, Heuberg in the team and I think Heuberg's the one that actually makes the team looking at this, so does Pedro then? So it becomes almost like a four four two almost. But like since it's Christmas, it's a Christmas tree four four two. Yes, Hoiberg would be the holding player, or Phelps would be the holding player. Hoiberg and Jorginho in front, of then Pedro in front, of, um, be the the tip of the diamond almost, and Sterling check up front. Is in agreement? Yep, it's a good team. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. So I'd, fancy, I'd fancy them in a penalty shootout as well. Yeah, definitely. So just to cap, the SFF podcast team of Euro 2020, delayed Euro 2020, so we should say, um, Donnarumma, Mela, Chiellini, Benicis, Benazola, Phillips, Heuberg, Jorginho, Pedri, uh, Sterling and Schick. So that's our team. And just before we wrap up, and thanks um, for your company the last two hours, guys, uh, Russell, Todd, I believe that you want to promote something on behalf of a friend. Um, we like to promote well, yeah, books on here, so on you go for yours. I wasn't sure if you're going to, uh, you know, give us any any shout outs, but um, uh, a friend of mine, Tim Tim Hartley, is a long, long, long time Wales fan, Cardiff City season ticket holder. 
He's got a book out called The World at Your Feet in Search of the Soul of Football, and it's travelling all over the world as he's done. It's the World Cup in 2014. It's the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, Tim actually got to all of Wales's games uh, in the summer, and uh, he was um, a real kind of plane, train, planes, trains, and automobiles um, kind of uh, 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 sort of you know epic journey for, for weeks on end. You know, and um, yeah, if people are looking for you know some good football writing. Um, that takes in, you know, the 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 the, the fun of, of of traveling away and taking in stadiums and all that kind of stuff. Then um, "Will Your Feet" by Tim Hartley. It's on the, it's on Pitch Publishing. And uh, if people are stuck for any uh, any football related uh, Christmas Christmas items, I like Pitch Publishing. They're publishing my book, which will not well it'll be out in June next year. So I, I, they 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 only put out the best authors, John. Only the yes, best, exactly. Well, that's uh, it's, it. Sounds like a one Russell will get that down in my Christmas want list uh, from Ulysses. Um, I just wait to uh, say as well, John, uh, to the listeners um, that uh, we uh, at the SFF podcast do this show for the fun of it. Um, and we enjoy doing a bit of promotion uh, to get paid by the sponsors. Uh, but that money, you know, is 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 not um, something that goes in our pockets. And this um, year, the money that um, we have been paid by the sponsors uh, has been donated to the Trussell Trust. Um, the Trussell Trust is a, um, a large charity of food banks uh, right across the UK, I believe. Trussell Trust is right across the UK, isn't it? Aye. Um, you know, it's that time of the year. Loads of people will be struggling a lot less better off than ourselves. Um, and, you know, Christmas dinner for a lot of people will not look anything like it will for the five of us. Um, so we have done a, a small thing. It's not a lot of money. It's about £107, £110. Um, but that has been donated to the Trussell Trust. And any listeners, I would encourage to, um, if it's a pound, £5, £10, whatever you can, um, just to give um, generously to that charity at this time of the year. Great sentiment, Josh. Um, and I think that's as um, good a way as we can to in this uh, throwback podcast. Unless Neil and Russell all have anything to add or promote. Neil, we promoted your book earlier. Um, is it sales going well? Yeah, so, I mean, I have just a, a wee plug for my book. I've written, written a book called World Cup 1998 Scotland Story. It's, uh, it came out earlier this year. Um, and it's, uh, it is what it says in the tin. It's the story of Scotland at France 98. It looks at the background to Craig Brown's appointment as a manager. It looks at qualification, um, some of the drama off the field squad selection, uh, the tournament itself, the matches in, in detail. Um, it looks at, it looks at the wider picture and some of the things that we're going on with FIFA and and, and looks around uh, about what the football world was like in 1998 and and comes back around again to the the tournament itself. So that's available on on Amazon for 10.99 paperback and 3.99 ebook. And that conversion is fantastic. And um, last word to you, um, Russell. Um, Anything um, to look forward to in terms of like, podcasts coming up or um, that you want to promote? Floor's yours, we've all had our say. Uh, well, I guess um, the freelance podcasts continue next year. I've already been putting together a series 
that I'd done similar to the Euros where I've spoken with various England fans about their experiences at, at World Cups. And I thought, right, where am I going to start? Um, I could start at 66, of which I did start. And I was like, mm, can I go back further? And I have. I've managed to go back further and I've managed to speak to someone, an England player who played at both the 1958 and 1962 World Cup Um and that will be coming out very soon. But it involved me taking a uh, an eight-hour round trip, um, me driving to uh, to chat with this guy. So, uh, yes, it's, it's been a uh, quite an eventful um, chat I've had with him. And so there's plenty of episodes of that to come next year. Excellent. And, um, and the final question I'll put to you, because um, you're neutral to this, who do you want to be joining you at the World Cup, Wales or Scotland, or do you really want it to be Ukraine or Russia? <laughs> oh, I'd hate to say, but uh, I think it much might be easier for me if you just uh, if it is just a Ukraine-Russia final, just for, <laughs> just for entertainment's sake. I don't, I don't want any of you to, to experience the disappointment that I had in the summer. Aust- it's, it's, it's Austria. Ukraine, you, Ukraine, Russia. That's 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 a whole different ball game. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't allowed. <laughs> well, John, John, something, John, something did occur to me, uh, and not not to go into politics, but if if uh, if Ukraine and Russia uh, end up going to war, I think we'd get a buy into the final. So we might we might uh, you know get a wee bit lucky that way. Unless we go to war first. <laughs> Well, I can tell you something. The banter will be good if it is a Wales and uh, Scotland final. We'll just need to wait and see. Um, but we'll visit that in March potentially. But for now, guys, enjoy your Christmas and thank you very much for appearing on the podcast again. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>